So, who would like to start? Mr. Barnes, why does Sam aggravate you? 15 seconds to drop! So what's our plan? Great. Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. The world's upside down right now. Where do we start? Oh yeah? What is it? Is you ready? Here we go again, huh? We've been grinding hard on the job. Can't take that from us. Are you ready? Is you ready? Ready? You ready? Ready? Is you ready? Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Hello, girl. Kick your ass. See? That wasn't so hard. Are you ready? Hey. Is you ready? Ready? Okay. You say you ready. What are you doing? Ready. Are you having a staring you contest? Ready? Are you ready? ready? Is you ready? Just blank. Sweet Jesus. I mean, how old are you? This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me. And yours truly. Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. I'm Zach, this is Ben, and we're bringing you another really fan-freaking-tastic episode here on Fandom Empire Network. Broadcasting on YouTube and then coming to you wherever podcasts can be found. This is going to be a pretty fun episode, and that's no cap. I'm trying to speak slang, but I just really can't do it. I suck at that. (laughs) But... Ben, this is going to be a really interesting episode for us because you gave some initial impressions uh, back before we came to Phantom Empire, and now we get to kind of give like our fuller thoughts on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Our thanks to our producer, Sean, for putting on this show. He works tirelessly behind the scenes to make sure that all of our ducks are in a row, and uh, we appreciate all the effort that goes into that and appreciate all of you guys tuning in tonight. Uh Toronto Freddy says IPP. We're off to a really good start, aren't we? Don't even go there. Don't do that to us now, please. Just don't, just don't engage him, right? Just, just don't engage him. <laughs> just ignore him. Just ignore you him. He got our action figure from us, Freddy. What more do you want? 
But no, this is this is going to be a pretty fun episode. There there is a lot to unpack from the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we're going to try and do as best we can in the next hour and a half to two hours to unbox that stuff, if you will. And I I really don't even know where to start because there's there's so much about it. Let, let's 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 backpedal for just a second, and before yeah. we dive deep into the to the discussion of that stuff at hand, let's also do a quick sidebar to take a look at some of the stuff that happened within the Marvel Universe this week, particularly with the Eternals. We got a yeah. trailer, kind of got a little introduction into how um, how that's going to look. So, Ben, what did you make of the, the Eternals trailer and how it's kind of like tying into the MCU? Yeah, the internals is something that I have almost no knowledge of whatsoever. Something completely new. And it's something that I'm still excited about. And this trailer looked really amazing and it felt very different from what we've seen before from Marvel. It wasn't all, you know, <clears throat> you know, there's an action sequence and then there's a joke and then it's something else and then, you know, it kind of follows that formula. It doesn't do that at all here. And I appreciate that, you know, this feels different. This feels like Marvel is doing something different here that we haven't really seen before. So I'm looking forward to this. Like I said, I don't know anything about this other than just what we see in this trailer. But, you know, I kind of had the same thing with, like, Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't know anything about that. And then it ended up being one of my favorite movies of all time. So, like, you know, it's Marvel. You have my interest. I will be, you know, you'll get my butt in my seat and, and you know, and my money at the the theater when that happens. Uh, hopefully that happens later this year. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, when you're talking about butts in seats, I actually put my butt in the seat of a movie theater just last night. So yeah. um, we'll get to that in just a little bit, doing a quick mini spoiler-free review of A Quiet Place Part 2. I know that our friends up in Canada haven't been able to get to the movie theater, and it's kind of like a movie theater exclusive right now. So I'm going to try and be spoiler-free uh, as best I can, so that uh, you know, whenever you guys do get an opportunity to see it, uh, I'm not giving away too terribly much. But uh, going to get into that as soon as we finish talking about the Eternals. Chad in the chat, one of our new patrons, says that we look a lot better today. Chad, there's a damn good reason for that. Yeah. We got new webcams between last episode and this one including a fiasco that made me worry for like half a day that perhaps ben's webcam was actually being sent to the billing address instead of the shipping address <laughs> that scared the living crap out of me but it didn't happen and it did get to him literally just a day before the show happened yesterday so, yeah it, it's it's crazy how quick of a turnaround it ended up being, but uh, we got it and uh, we're good to go. There there does seem to be some sort of a fluctuation in Ben's camera. We may have to like turn his cam off and back on again just to make sure. We're still working out the bugs here. Unfortunately, is is correct because like one minute you're like bigger than me, the next minute your screen is like smaller than me. Uh, we're making we're making Sean earn his keep, unfortunately, but we'll bring him in in a little bit here to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier with us. But first, the Eternals. One yeah. of my favorite things about the Eternals is that um, they are including some alumni from Game of Thrones, and right, obviously right. that didn't really go over very well with the Inhumans. 
<laughs> bring in some no, Game didn't. of Thrones alumni for the Inhumans, and that and that didn't go well. So you know, some really good acting doesn't necessarily equate to having a really good show, as was horribly exemplified there. But it does give me hope that Marvel is taking this project seriously. They're looking into finding a wide range of actors and actresses. They're looking into bringing in these people that can carry a sort of ancient gravitas about them. And I really, really appreciate the effort that is is going into the the creation of this show. And you actually found a... Uh, Twitter thread, did you not, Ben, that kind of yes. an introduction to those characters? Well, yeah. So, as I said, I know almost nothing about these characters. I think most people are in the same boat with me that they don't know much about these guys and, and girls. You know, and there was this brilliant thread that I stumbled upon. It's from Marvel Perfect Shots, at Marvel underscore shots. You can go... Look this up for yourself if you want to see all the pictures and stuff like that, and we'll uh, actually – I'll retweet it on the IPC right now so you can go find it yourself. Just follow us at IPC Podcasts. Nice little but, social plug there. Follow there us. There you go. I just throw them in there. I just throw them in there. No big deal. But uh, they put out this really great thread and kind of like breaks down the characters and their powers. I'm going to run through this really quick just because – I like reading it. It was really enjoyable for me, and I think maybe it'll help you guys like go through it. And the pictures, if you look at the pictures, they'll it'll help you like think, oh, there's that guy, there's that girl. So right. first one they name off is Kingo. And this is uh and I know I'm forget- I'm gonna forget the actors' names now. Oh, good job. <laughs> it says uh I'll think of it before the end of this. It says is Kingo is the internal with the power to project cosmic energy projectiles with his hands. Over the centuries, he has become enamored with the idea of fame. In present day, he's a famous Bollywood actor. So That doesn't surprise me. So this kind of like introduces the idea that I kind of assume is going to happen in this movie is that like you see at the beginning of the trailer, there is like a moment where the ship comes in. You see like these primitive people, assuming maybe even thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. like seeing the ship come in and they interact with them and they're like making like obviously one person like has like the power to like make water out of nothing and like they're making water for them and whatever and later on this list it kind of goes into like their you know grooming of humanity and giving them these certain things it seems like they show up you know they're aliens from outer space as you do Mm -hmm. and they show up and then they kind of like integrate themselves into society they kind of like split off and they go do different things and kingo who is played by? I can't freaking remember his name. You see, you can see his face. He, he's in like he's like in this dance number thing in the trailer. You see him. I'm gonna say it again. Kumal Nanjani. Kumal Nanjani. Thank you very much. Um, TV, and I hope I didn't mispronounce it. <laughs> I know I've mispronounced it. I did. Robin it, so. Blader will correct me in about three days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Robin. Um, so that's his deal. And I said I would go through this quickly, and I'm definitely not. Um, so I'm going to go to the next one. Um, this is Makari. Makari is the fastest woman in the universe. She uses only her cosmically powered super speed to scout planets for the Eternals. And as the only deaf Eternal, the sonic boom that accompanies her cosmic running does not affect her. And the interesting part of this is that I don't – I genuinely don't know the actress's name here, but she is actually deaf. Uh, she is legitimately the, deaf. The actress is uh, Lauren Ridloff. There you go. 
and she is she is like genuinely deaf. So you will see a deaf character played by a deaf person, which is fantastic representation. And I'm looking forward to Quiet Place Part Two. Also, there, there you go, there you go. That's great. Um, up, up next, we've got Gilgamesh, which is just a great name. I love Gilgamesh. He just rolls off the tongue. Um, he is the strongest and kindest member of the team, capable of projecting a powerful exoskeleton of cosmic energy. Gilgamesh is a fierce warrior who has become legendary for his fights with deviants through history. And the name of this actor is? Oh, I put my phone down. <laughs> Ma Dong Sok. Ma Dong Sok. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, and then we got, I know this one. I know this here, one. I'm trying to do stuff in the chat and like keep up with what you're saying. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry. Multitasking, guys. Apologies. Right. Um, Thena, played by Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie is in the MCU now. This is amazing. Um, and Thena is a fierce warrior, more comfortable in battle than any other place. She has the ability to use cosmic energy to form any handheld weapon she can think of. Often surly and aloof, she forges an unlikely friendship with Gilgamesh that spans centuries. So, like, you see her, like, wielding, like, a glowing sword and, like, seemingly she can just, you know, make those out of thin air. She can come up with whatever she can think of, I guess, which is... Uses cosmic energy to create a sword or a battle axe or what have you. Exactly. That's, that's actually pretty cool. Like, pretty like cool power. not even Jedi can do that. They have to like go to the caves of Ilum and create their lightsabers. But this lady can just be like, "Oh, laser sword." She's good to go. Yeah. And that's what's cool about like all these characters so far that I've seen is like they're like we've seen like I guess the closest is like Makari she's she's fast like we've seen fast people we've seen Quicksilver but you know no one to this thing and I'm assuming she's probably a lot faster than Quicksilver probably she creates like sonic booms and stuff like that so that's pretty uh pretty cool um and then we have Icarus who is played by Richard Madden Richard Madden one of the Game of Thrones alumni. There you go. And Icarus is the tactical leader and most powerful Eternal and takes pride in keeping the other Eternals safe, moral, kind, and charismatic. Icarus boasts the power of incredible strength, flight, and the ability to project beams of energy, in intense cosmic energy from his eyes. So like, sounds like like uh, just like a really like cool Cyclops. Superman dude. Yeah, like like a Superman Cyclops combo or something like that, maybe. And he's the guy at the end of the trailer. For those that don't know, who is like bragging about, "Hey, I'll lead the Avengers," and then they all laugh at him. So, yep, I remember that. I remember that. And then up next, we have Selma Hayek's character, Ajak. Ajak is the spiritual leader of the the team since they arrived here from their home planet to help defend humanity. Ajak can not only heal humans and Eternals alike, but she is able to communicate with the Celestials as well. So maybe some a lot of cosmic history in there. You know, obviously we've got ego, we've got, you know, things from the past, celestial stuff connected to the Guardians. You know, maybe we'll see some connections we're not expecting here. Well, um, fun fact, according to the chat, Thanos was actually an eternal and was just a, a deviant one. So yeah, we, I keep hearing that. We could end up getting a Thanos reference uh, in this film. Or maybe about... like a, a flashback. We get maybe him back 
briefly or a young lo- Thanos or something. Or a lost brother or something like that. Like just a very subtle nod to, you know, Thanos no longer being with the group or something. All right. I'm interested to see what the deviants are all about because they're not showing them in this trailer. They're not showing them at all yet, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously they're going to be like the big threat that shows up. And obviously, like they're a pretty big threat. These are the Eternals, and everyone keeps making jokes about it. That the Eternals, like they sat out Thanos, <laughs> they sat out, you know, all this stuff, and uh, now they're just like, oh yeah, now we're going to step in. It's like, oh, guys, where where were you all this time? <laughs> what are you, what are yeah, you doing? Seriously. They, they they said, like, they didn't want to intervene, but now they're stepping in? Like, that's oddly convenient, isn't it? Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, they got, they got some splaining to do. That's all I got to say. All they right. They do. They really do. Um, we have uh, Sprite, who is played by, again, I don't know the actor actor's name. Hold on. But Sprite. You can look it up. I'll read this really quick. Sprite has the ability to cast lifelike illusions. Her friendship with Cersei hides a world-weary sadness because she's been treated like a child by humanity for centuries. But Sprite is much stronger and cleverer than she appears. Played by uh, Leah McHugh. Cool. Okay. And this is a like a child actor, but playing a character that is obviously much older, probably centuries older than they appear. But she's living on Earth, so, like, everyone's like, oh, hey, look at that look, cute little kid. And like, no, no, I'm, like, 5,000 years old. Like, I'm older than you. You know, they did something like that on Third Rock from the Sun back in the day. Do you remember that? I think I remember that, yeah. Gordon-Levitt, like a tween Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is part of this group of aliens sent to investigate Earth, and... He's like the veteran of the group, but he plays the youngest member of their family. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, it's it's really hilarious. Oh, gosh. Um, up next, we've got, uh, I believe this is Brian Tyree Henry, who we just saw in Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, he plays Fastos, and it says, Fastos is blessed with the power of invention. He's able to create whatever he can imagine, provided that he has enough raw materials at his disposal. Over the centuries, he has helped nudge humanity towards technologically, while technology, while also always keeping his brilliance hidden. So, like, I think that's a cool superpower. Like, you know, like, you can't fly or whatever, but, like, I can just, like, make whatever I want. I can just invent stuff out of thin air. That's pretty cool. So he can invent stuff out of thin air. There's another Eternal that can just create weapons out of thin air. Like, there's a lot of cosmic energy, a lot of cosmic abilities uh, being thrown into this. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, up next, we've got Druig. Druig, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. But Druig can use cosmic energy to control the minds of men. Oh, that's an interesting power. Druig can, has become... has become withdrawn from the other Eternals because he disagrees with how they've interacted with mankind over the years. Uh, And He's going to be played by Barry Cohen. Barry, yeah. I think it's Koenig, I think. I don't know. K-O-G-H-A-N. Please help me with my pronunciation. People from other countries, because I don't like to pronounce things incorrectly. But, yeah, yeah. But I think uh, we can see kind of the the points of uh, tension here. 
He's a guy who can control minds, and he, like, is, like, the rest of the Eternals are like, we can't get involved. We have this immense power. We have to lock ourselves away and not get involved with, like, you know, we can nudge humanity, but we can't really get, like, we can't save them. We can't, like, ch change the course of history. And maybe he disagrees with that, and I, I think – I don't know if he'll be a villain in this movie, but I've heard some speculation that maybe down the road he will be an antagonist. That, that seems very possible. I mean, take a look at um, Crosshair, for example. You know, in there you go. In, in the Clone Wars, Crosshair was just a member of the team, a rather quiet member of the team, but a member of the team. And then Bad Batch comes around, and all of a sudden, like, character development changes for the worst. So – um that that was that was interesting i'm assuming you've seen the new episode of the bad batch um the newest one no <laughs> it's really i've seen a star wars that ben hasn't this is like history folks i know oh. i know i am ashamed i'm ashamed oh, and then yeah. last week i hadn't seen it either um and uh chatter squadron guys made fun of me all night about that but uh yeah yeah, I have, not, I have not seen it. Um, I've heard spoilers because you know I've been on the internet, obviously. Right. Um, something about a rancor and the internet is freaking out about it. I don't know what's going on. I'll find out later tonight after I, I get guess, finished with the show. I guess so. Uh, a reminder: we'll do a season recap of the Bad Batch here on IPC whenever the show does conclude. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, we we got some other season recaps that we're going to be doing down the line as well. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier tonight. Uh, we're going to be doing a, like a roundtable in the not too distant future, talking about a series that we've talked about here on IPC before. So there's a, there's a lot of television that's going to be discussed, but there's going to be some movie reviews intermingled in there as well. So uh, hit us up on our socials if there's something in particular that you would like to see us talk about. But uh, it's 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 interesting to uh, to to have all this content that we can discuss again like i'm i'm glad to to have it back chad puts the this question in the chat were the eternals affected by the snap do you think i would i mean it affected all life in the known universe i would think some of them got snapped away i would assume unless i mean it didn't seem to like you know, there was no favoritism by by Thanos. It was, you know, it was it was, you know, anyone and any anybody could be affected by it. And it also didn't matter what your power set was, you know, right. from any, you know, not that we know of anyway. But maybe maybe that is. Maybe they are the eternals. They are these celestial beings that have immense power. Maybe they were able to withstand it. I don't think so. I think maybe that kind of goes against like the whole idea of like okay thing, but like they don't really have to explain it. Like I like I say like I think ultimately the Eternals kind of existed. They did their thing, and now they're kind of off on their own because you see like Selma Hayek's character. She's like dressed as a cowboy, you know, out in the West. Like they're clearly like they've gone their separate ways, and they're kind of like living like normal earthly lives. Mm -hmm. So maybe during that process they snapped, and maybe. The snap brings them back, and they're like, "Okay, this is this is not cool. Like, we have to step up now because we didn't do anything, and this happened, and we've got to, you know." So that, that very well could be. It, it's such a weird thing to think about because if there was ever a group of people to exist outside of time and space, I feel like it would be these people. 
So you'd think, yeah. It, it's 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 a it's a weird thing to think about, and since I don't have as much knowledge in the comics as I wish I did, I can't answer that accurately. Um, but I feel like some of that is probably going to get explained in the movie, anyways. So. You know, Chad, much like you, I hope they do bring it up in the film because that would definitely be something worth exploring. A lot of what they've done in this phase has been an exploration of the aftermath from the blip. You see it in the case of Monica Rambo in yeah. Vision. You see it from the perspective of Bucky and Sam here in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I have no doubt that we're going to be seeing some of the aftermath from the perspective of the characters in Shang-Chi, that we're going to be seeing it from the perspective of the characters in Spider-Man. Like, this entire phase of Marvel is going to be centered around post-blip events. So I I feel fairly confident that that's something that's going to be explored, just given what we've what we've explored and what we've seen from this phase of Marvel so far. Yeah, I mean, it only makes sense because, like, and I think that's what's so, like, I think brilliant about like Marvel and also brave of them because like doing something that literally like you take five years out of your, your timeline for all these different stories. Like right. there's potential for stories that I, I want to see stories set within the blip. I want to see stories set like about characters surviving and stuff like that. And I think you could easily get like, you know, Shang-Chi, you know, or Shang-Chi. I'm sorry. I'm trying to teach myself the speaking of pronunciations, uh, Simo Liu, who was on Twitter recently, gave us the correct pronunciation, which is Shang Chi. So I'm going to teach myself to say that correctly, and I'm going to say that again. That I think in Shang Chi, we could get you know like there you know I think there's a line in the movie like oh yeah you know I let you live out your life for like ten years and doing like that maybe part of that was during the blip like was Shang Chi taken out during the blip was he lived through it like. And as we see in both these new shows, it's like it's a very different experience, both traumatic but very, very different in getting taken out of the picture and then brought back. And they're like, OK, five years later, what's happened? And then the hell that people went through with that lived through it. Um, it's something that I think I, I hope they continue. I think they will. I think they really have to. I think they have to kind of address it because it's like it's a that's a huge gap in time. Right. And it's a huge character developing time and you know it's just it's it's all part of it so i'm looking forward to seeing how they handle it in these upcoming movies and we're gonna get what four of them this year plus loki and a bunch of other stuff i was i was saying that to my girlfriend like the other day i was like there's a lot of catching up that cinemas are trying to do because there's there's going to be movies that were postponed from last year uh, movies that were already scheduled to release this year, movies that are re-releasing because they were in theaters when you know hardly anybody was going. Tom and Jerry is getting a re-release. It wouldn't surprise me if something like Trolls World Tour got a theatrical release. Um, so there's there's definitely like a a game of catch up being played, which kind of disappoints me about Luca. I, I feel like like Disney and Pixar kind of jumped the gun a little bit on deciding to make it a Disney Plus exclusive. Because now that the U.S. is opening up to the degree that it is, I feel like it would make a lot of money at the box office taking your family to go see a, a Pixar film like Luca. And they, they're really missing out on an opportunity like that. But yeah, we're going to be getting Shang-Chi. We're going to be getting Spider-Man. We're going to be getting Black Widow postponed from a year ago. And uh, we're getting The Eternals. 
So all of yeah. that in the next six to seven months, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also I kind of agree with you. And I've heard some even some whispers about like the crew behind that, that work at Pixar like are not happy that like Oh, they're they're pissed. yeah, their movie, you know, oh, they yeah. they make this movie with the expectation like people are gonna see this in a theater and like there's whole thing and, and still we still like you know, when it's released on Disney Plus, there's no like Oh, box office numbers or whatever. It's just like yeah. it's just out there and people talk about it. And yes, word of mouth is good. I personally will go see a movie if I hear good word of mouth about it. But ultimately, there's no like reports about, oh, it made this much money or whatever. I'm not making any money. And like we know movie making is a business. Movies don't get sequels unless they make a certain amount of money. They make their money back. It's all monetary based. And it sucks that like, you know, they kind of. They treat Pixar movies as second class, and I think that's really sad considering the quality of Pixar. Pixar makes some of the best movies out there, period. They're animated movies. Their little old cartoon movies are better than most other movies out there get released per year. It's kind of sad that they – that Disney is like, oh, just put that on Disney+. Plus. Nobody really cares about that. Like, we do care. I want to see that. I want to see it in the theater. Oh, we we definitely care, and the the people, the animators particularly, the the animators and producers at Pixar, are like on the verge of not being willing to work on whatever the next project is. That's how pissed they are. Like I, they they need to like strike or something, like not strike, but like they need to like have a powwow with like Disney and go like, okay, you're never doing this again. Like you're going to put this in our contract that you're not just going to toss our movies onto a streaming service when they get done. Like that's not cool. And hopefully they do because, you know, there is continuing to be a push for like animation. Isn't a genre. It's just a movie. Like you you have at the Oscars. It's like, you know, and animated movies are rarely like up for best picture. It's best animated film. You still have best animated film. Yeah. So and like you know, if you watch most of the animated films today, especially Pixar films, like they deserve that right. They're they're they they shouldn't be treated as second class. Uh, so we're getting some really cool engagement uh, in the chat. I just want to get people caught up on it. Um, Toronto Freddy says, "Wouldn't it have been funny if Thanos was one of the fifty percent that got dusted in the snap?" That would have been weird. It's I, like, I guess. I mean, he knew that was a possible. I guess. Like, like, like he snaps and he starts disappearing. He's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> like, I did not think this through. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I think like obviously Thanos like was very selfless in his selfishness that like. He did all that and was like, okay, if I get dusted, whatever, and then, like, going back, and he tries to destroy the stones. Like, that's all he wanted to do, and he did it. If he got blasted in the process and turned to dust, like, I guess he didn't care. Uh, Flinner sends in a question. Are you guys more excited for No Way Home or the Batman? He says, Batman for me. No Way Home for me. I'm sorry. I'm all in. You know my thoughts on Spider-Man. Yeah, you you love the Spider-Man franchise. I am cooling on it, honestly. That we're we're getting closer and closer to like a teaser, we're getting closer and closer to a trailer, and there's there's been less and less coming out 
about the possibility of it being like a Spider-Verse type of film with the with the crossovers and the cameos that we've been talking about. Obviously, Alfred Merlina's involved. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Like, the involvement that I that I thought was happening seems to be less and less likely, whereas I know that there's going to be a lot surrounding the Batman and Robert Pattinson. We've I, got a trailer for, for Batman, and we've got nothing on No Way Home yet. Very, very close to leaning more in the direction of the Batman as soon as we get a little bit more. Um, but there is so much saturation in Batman right now that I'm, I'm, I'm still for now content to say Spider-Man, but that is not going to last very much longer. I'll put and, it that like, And I say No Way Home as like Batman is like close second. Like I am psyched i love the batman trailer i think it's great i think robert pattinson is gonna kill it maybe literally and like it's like he's i think that movie is gonna be fantastic i love the director behind it like i think it's gonna be fantastic but uh you know spider-man i just have it's more near and dear to my heart mcu all that stuff i'm more connected to that whereas batman is completely new which I'm fine with, I think it's great that they're like, let's just do a Batman movie. Let's not worry about the DCEU. Let's just do another movie. Let's just do a standalone thing and let's just make it awesome. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. And that's kind of what they've been doing with stuff like Joker. And now they're doing it with the Batman. I'm okay with standalone films because when they don't have to tie into anything else, you can use a lot more creative liberty and it leads to Oscar winning performances like what we got with Joaquin Phoenix. So yeah. I, I, I'm I'm fine with them doing stuff that's kind of solo projects because you don't have to worry about if this connects to the Justice League or the Snyder Cut or anything else. Like just do your own thing. And it yeah. it's been working out as far as box office and critical reviews and things like that. So I'm I'm just gonna just gonna be along for the ride. You know what I mean? We've, we're, you know, it's like, oh, DC versus Marvel, who wins? We win. The geeks, the right. nerds, the fans, we win. Yep. We win every single day because we've got so much stuff coming out. And, you know, it's just, it's it's all amazing. Like, just enjoy it. Like, enjoy it. We are in a renaissance of geekdom. Like, come on, this is great. Yeah, we just happen to be alive at the same time that people like Matt Reeves and... And um, other like Zack Snyder and yeah. James Gunn and uh, so many other people are like in the director's chair. Guillermo del Toro, J.J. Um, Abrams, like there, there's Ryan Johnson. So many great directors out there that are getting really, really fantastic projects that are leading to some really, really great films. And I know that I left some people out. Those were just the names that came up to my head, like right off the top. But there's there's just a lot of greatness going around right now on the you know the weekly television format front and in the in the movie front that there's just so much great media to consume and so little time. Yeah. I mean we freaking just got a three hour long Avengers movie after you know, three others, and then we just got a four-hour-long Justice League movie. Yep. Like, 15, 20 years ago, those two things were seemed impossible. Like, that seemed totally just crazy to think about, and here we are. We're living 
and you know a a a, a just a renaissance of comic book and superheroes and you know and you throw in star wars and you throw in star trek and like they're doing great too like just it's everything it's everything like we have nothing to complain about except you go on twitter and there's a lot of complaining for some reason (laughs) which is why we are called the intergalactic peace coalition this is the safe zone all right safe zone no complaining most of the time well, I mean, I might complain about something sometimes just because I'm a little turd and I like to complain sometimes. I let it out sometimes. But I have no complaints at all whatsoever about A Quiet Place Part 2. Oh, I'm I'm interested to hear about this. Quick little five-minute blurb before we get into the main topic of the evening. Um, went and saw it with my girlfriend and with my buddy Mondo last night. He's kind of like my movie buddy. and uh, we that both- guy, ah. Uh... That guy, he, he's all right. He's all right. He only, he only helped me stain my back deck, and he's only doing a, a stand-up comedy performance in my backyard next month. So, you know, no big deal. He's only my best friend, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but we went to see the movie, and we saw like posters for uh, Cruella, which happened to come out last night as well, and we're like minutes away from the movie starting and I lean over I'm like so you're telling me we could have gone to see Cruella instead of this and he looks at me he's like I freaking wanted to see Cruella first (laughs) (laughs) I got to troll him so hard at that point but like I loaned him my copy of Quiet Place 1 so that he could get caught up on it and he was like dude I'm so ready for this film I've got so many thoughts from the first one that I hope they answer in the second one and lo and behold they did like a lot of the questions, a lot of the the concerns that he had from the first movie got answered. A lot of the world building that I was hoping for, uh, based on the stuff that happened in the first film, actually came to pass. Um, there was just some great character development, some great storytelling. You get to see the creatures a little bit more and see them in action. Um, there's a little bit of an origin to it. You know, we we've seen. John Krasinski make an appearance and, you know, he's got a little role in this, even though his character died in the last film. So there's some throw, there's some throwback, some flashback. There's a lot of progression moving forward. Uh, you learn some things about the creature that you didn't know before. And overall, it, it carries a lot of that hold your breath intensity that you get from the first movie while also giving you some new there's some new stuff in there that we didn't experience before, and it helps grow the story. It helps continue the story, and it actually makes this franchise better, in my opinion. Wow. Quiet Place on its own is a good standalone film, but this movie helps kind of turn it into a franchise, more or less. And so I'm I'm really intrigued to see... Uh, what the rest of the world is going to end up thinking of this, and I'm I'm hopeful that the reception is warm enough that they create a third film because what they told here was excellent, and I want more. Wow, that's interesting, and I'm I'm out of the loop on this. I have not seen the original, but I've heard a lot of good things. So, you know, this might spur me on to to catch up because uh, you've you obviously. I've talked a lot about the first one, and now again, I heard some mixed opinions about the second one. I heard some mixed things, but you know, reviewers 
you know, especially like official reviewers, they have to find something wrong. They can't yeah, just yeah, go. Sure. They They're just not- can't. They can't just go like, oh, the movie was awesome. Like they have to like critically like take. Okay, this movie, and they have to complain yeah, about something. Yeah. Uh, that's their job. But, people uh, have to pull it apart. That's not us. We don't have to like look at every piece of gross minutiae and be like, oh, I didn't like it when they did Do we that. we look like professional critics to you? Mm, no, not at all. Although we've been doing this for seven years, so I don't know like how much longer we need before we qualify as critics, but... We demand to be taken seriously. Give me, give me that checkmark Twitter. That's all I'm asking for. I'm telling but, you. Uh, Jesse Bennett, uh, one of our patrons, joined this past week uh, is here in the chat. Thanks for joining us, Jesse, and thanks for becoming a patron. If you're interested in becoming a patron of this program, hit us up at patreon.com slash podcast. That is our last giveaway that we are doing. It involves being a patron of the show, and we have a really big IPC-themed giveaway that we're going to do once we get to 10 patrons. We're at three right now, so we need seven more. Once we get to 10 patrons, we're doing another giveaway, one that carries over from our debut two weeks ago. So hit us up, patreon.com forward slash IPC podcast. I almost said patreon.com slash cult varsity because that's the other Patreon that I've got. <laughs> I almost That works too. That works I too. said that one, but that is for football and baseball broadcasts. That is not for this podcast. So... Uh, I have to, like, retrain my brain, but patreon.com slash IPC podcast. Once we get to 10 patrons, it doesn't matter what level. Once we get to 10, then we're doing another giveaway for uh, one of those 10 people that signed up. So, And you get uh, access to the new Peacekeeper Core on yes. Facebook. You get exclusives. You get to find out what our next topic is before anybody else, yep. um, and obviously get involved with some cool prizes. Get a behind-the-scenes look at the show. You get to control part of the show. You get yep. to give us feedback and tell us what we should be doing, yep. and uh, it's a it's a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, definitely go go support us. Go go give us a couple of your bucks. You can find some money in your couch. Just go do that. Go 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 dig in your couch. Find a few bucks and then throw it at your at your. Your, your your screen or something i think that's how it works it is it is literally just um three u.s dollars per month which is like one fewer trip to starbucks per month to support program you don't need that iced coffee mocha latte whatever you get oh you don't need gosh. that dude my you sister need ipc stuff my my sister used to work at starbucks and she had this guy that came in like literally every day who like I think he lived in uh, Japan or something for a while, and there was a particular chai tea that he liked that uh, he has never been able to get anywhere else until he like tweaked and customized a certain Starbucks chai tea latte order to be almost exactly like how the tea in Japan tasted. But it is like this laundry list of ten to twelve items. It's like it's like double whip, no foam. Uh, extra shot of this drizzle with um, like a double blend feature or something, and it has to be at exactly 120 degrees or something like that. Wow. And like they give it to him, and he takes a sip, and he can tell if it's too hot or too cold. That's how often he drinks this thing. Oh, they they gotta hate this guy. Do they not hate this guy? 
Uh, they actually kind of love him because he's he, they, from what she said, he was actually pretty sweet about it. Like even if they messed it up, like he was he was really nice about it. But That's he good. came yeah. in like every day and spent like I don't know six bucks on this order or something. And so he was spending like thirty bucks a week on this particular drink. Oh my god! How much disposable income do you have? Don't to, to go on coffee or tea or whatever. I was just picturing a guy just kind of coming in and like they fix it. They spend like twenty minutes like fixing this prepared drink, and they're like, "No, that's not right. That's not right. Yep. Go back and do it again." Like, yep. uh, hopefully, he wasn't like that. No, I don't think he was. But Melissa says Starbucks is the worst Dunkin' Yum. Do you have a Dunkin' anywhere near you, Ben? No, there's no Dunkin' down here. Oh, but I mean, maybe there's one. They, they've recently started encroaching on my my, uh, my, my space here. But we, we've – characteristically, there's no, there's no Dunkin's in the southeast. They, they just put one in down the street from where I live, and it's a combo with a Baskin-Robbins. Oh, I I think I have seen those. I think in New Orleans, Louisiana. I think mm. that's crazy. That would that would definitely be a place that you'd see something like that. They don't call themselves Dunkin' Donuts anymore, though, because they're more than just donuts. They're just they're, Dunkin'. They yeah, they're just Dunkin' because they have coffee, they have croissants, they have matches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like sounds like a like a like a Wookie hacking up a hairball. <laughs> like I think that's my best Bosk impression. That's exactly. And so they they've got all these other things, including like these these things that look like store bought hash browns that they smashed with a hammer. <laughs> I'm just picture them going to the store and they get just regular hash browns like okay steve do your thing with your hammer and go smash the hash browns it's like a flat little circle it looks like somebody sat on a tater tot and they sell it to you for like a dollar and i'm like what is this am i at duncan or am i at kroger (laughs) oh I have mixed feelings on Duncan because <laughs> their coffee's usually way more expensive and I spend way more. Um but I don't I don't know. Oh wow. Yeah, I feel oh. you. Okay. We've actually got something we're supposed to talk about tonight and we're like what oh, 40... apparently. Apparently. We're like forty five minutes into the show and we haven't actually talked about what we set out to talk about tonight, and that is the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And that'll be our topic for like the next 75 to probably 75 to 80 minutes. And then we'll have a brief uh, barbecue segment lined up for you tonight. That's going to be really creative and really disgusting and really original. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually came from a verified social media page. That's the part that disturbs me the most. (laughs) Like somebody actually legit made this and then took a picture of it and put it on their official social media. And I, I have a theory. I think someone hacked them. And I think we know who did it, all right? You uh, know who you are, person that hacked that count, all right? And I'll get to that when we get to Barbecue Watch. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But first, initial impressions, first overall thoughts on the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Ben, you're probably just going to be reiterating some of the thoughts that you had a, a few weeks ago when you talked about this with Star Raptor for a bit. 
But for the folks that didn't get to listen to that episode, can you remind them what you thought of the Falcon and Winter Soldier? Yeah, so I'll try to mix it up a little bit and say some things that I haven't previously said with some things that I have said. But basically, and going into this, Falcon and Winter Soldier going back to, what, 2019? When they first announced this was happening, like, Mm -hmm. this was the show that I was most excited about. This was the thing, like, oh my gosh, like, I love the Captain America trilogy. Sam Wilson is, like, you know, top-tier Marvel characters for me. I love that he's going to be Captain America. I love that they're continuing in the story. They're giving these two characters that have just been kind of side characters, Bucky and Sam, they're giving them their own story, their own series. This is great. And maybe it'll be more introspective. Like it was, I had all these things in mind for what the show could be, and I was so enamored by it. And of course, everything happened. And like, if you watch the behind the scenes thing, and it's like they filmed for like two days and then lockdowns happened and they couldn't finish it. Like, you know, so it's been a long time finally getting to see this. And this was actually supposed to be the first series up, I think, that was released on Disney Plus, but it ended up being WandaVision. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I went into WandaVision going like, okay, this looks fun, but I'm not really like, this isn't what I'm here for. I'm looking forward to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Then, as I proceeded to be absolutely blown away by WandaVision, I think as most people were, and like how wonderful that show was, how creative it was, and how unexpected it was in regards to like doing new things. And as I've said in the past, like, there's few shows out there where, where, you know, we're a good while into this whole like TV show thing. TV has been a thing for a very long time. Yeah, and yeah. coming up on a show that you're like, wow, I haven't quite seen anything like that before. That's impressive. And Marvel did it with WandaVision. They, I mean, and that's why like I give it the edge for like originality and like doing something that just had never been done before. And so WandaVision was amazing. I loved WandaVision. And then I was coming out of that going into this show going like, man, how could that be better? How could they top WandaVision? Because that was fantastic. And I'm here to say, I think they did top it. My personal opinion. Obviously, it's apples to oranges. You can't really compare them. We we compared them on a couple episodes ago. But like, you know... Mostly, like, they're two completely different shows, and obviously they're going to be able to different people, and everyone's going to have different opinions. But for me personally, Falcon and Winter Soldier did everything that I wanted to do and more. You know, I was looking for a show that was introspective, that was giving us something more of these characters that had been there for a while, but you never got to, like, see this world from their point of view. I wanted to see the aftermath of the snap and their perspective on it. I wanted U.S. agent. You know, I wanted all this stuff, and it just kept giving it to me. And it really felt like for a while that this show was made specifically for me because it was just hitting on all the marks. And I'm not saying I don't have criticisms of it. I do, and maybe I'll get into them in a few minutes. But, you know, there is some there's some writing issues. The, the villains maybe aren't as fleshed out as I want them to be. You know, there, there's a few things that I do have qualms with. But overall, I think... Falcon and Winter Soldier was groundbreaking. It was, in its own way, something I'd never seen before, and also just gave me the continuation of this story that I really, really wanted. 
and made me appreciate both these characters and all the other characters in the show so much more. And so, you know, I know this is probably a one-time thing, and we probably won't get a season two. I would love it if we got a season two, but I'm thrilled that we're getting Captain America 4 because that's going to be obviously a continuation of this, and I'm beyond excited for that. But ultimately, I'm out of breath here, and so I'm just going to say I freaking love this show. So there's definitely kind of some mixed thoughts in the chat right now because uh, – Toronto Freddy says it's okay. Oh. WandaVision is better, he says. Jesse comments says it was a great point of view of dealing with PTSD, handled racial issues well, loved it. And then uh, Freddy kind of confronts Sean, who says it's the best MCU series yet. We'll bring our... Uh, we'll bring our producer in to, to kind of discuss that uh, in just a second, because we actually have a segment tonight that is just uh, fan input. People yeah. that are part of the Intergalactic Peace Hangout, we ask them, what topics do you want us to cover tonight? And we got some really great input. And so when we get to that segment, we're going to bring Sean on to uh, to discuss all those things with us. But Freddie kind of calls him out and says, have you seen WandaVision yet? And he's like, uh... So I'm going to assume not. Don't really think you can come to that conclusion until you have. Um, Matthew, uh, kind of a newcomer. I don't think I saw you a couple of weeks ago, Matthew. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, WandaVision went for it. Falcon and Winter Soldier started to, but needed more time to develop Sam and Carly. I bought Sam's transformation. That was my effort to be positive. Uh, my main question, copy and paste from Facebook, how do Americans perceive Walker's story, character, and motivations? I don't have that perspective, so I'm curious to hear from those who do. Alex just commented, I'm a bigger fan of WandaVision. So we are kind of split, like right down the middle. People with some yeah. really great and engaging questions about Falcon and Winter Soldiers, some people who have a lot of thoughts about um, about WandaVision and how it compares and contrasts. Don't know if we're going to get to get into like a WandaVision comparison contrast discussion tonight or not. We will try. Um, that really wasn't even on my radar. Like, I really just wanted to talk about this show, you know? Yeah, and, I, I, like, I think that's now yeah. bringing up like WandaVision's better. WandaVision's okay. This is the best in the MCU. I'm like, oh my God, we didn't even bring up WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I think they are two different shows, and I think they're obviously going to appeal to different people and different things. Like, WandaVision was just this new thing that we'd never seen before. Falcon and Winter Soldier, for all the greatness that it is, I think it's more a more stereotypical, for lack of a better term, type of Marvel story that we're used to. Even though it did go to some places we weren't expecting, it still kind of gave us that. So I think it was scratching that niche for me because I like the MCU. I enjoy most MCU movies, so like something that's more familiar was welcomed for me. But if you are say you're bored with mc movies you're not totally into all these movies one division was like and i heard a lot of people go like oh i do really like the mcu but one division was like really scratching that itch it was giving me something that i'd never seen before so it's gonna appeal to different people you know it's 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 okay you know it's okay to have different opinions guys i know it's the internet we all gotta agree on something but Whoa. it's not really the case we're allowed to have different opinions Get i on. know it's wild it's a wild notion i know but oh Wow, I wonder if we could tell that to like our political leaders. Mm, okay, no, no you die. Uh, you get, you get, uh, yeah. 
I'm done. I'm done. Kicked out of kicked out of the internet. Um, so now we've got sound effects. Great. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> oh man, that's just what we needed. <laughs> um. So your me, your initial impressions. I want to hear what you have to think. For me personally, um, I I enjoyed. I enjoyed the show for what it was. I didn't try and go in with too many expectations for it because I have gone into shows and movies with higher expectations and I get let down from it. And so I tried to go in with as few expectations as I could. And that actually kind of helped because by the time we got to like the fifth and sixth episodes, my mind was blown. I was really, really enjoying the the character development. I was really enjoying the costuming, the action sequences, the the culmination of everything, the way everything was kind of coming to a head. Like, it's definitely got a couple of episodes worth of slow burn attached to it. But yeah. once it's up and going and once it actually kind of figures out what it's supposed to be doing, um, I would say episodes four, five, and six, like, really take it up a notch. And they've got some great choreography. They've got some great characters, ones that you can sympathize with, even if they're being viewed as the villains by the people in the show. Um, it, it does address a lot of things like PTSD and the new world order and uh, systemic racism. Like there's a yeah. lot of really interesting subjects that get addressed in this show and they do it in a superhero type of manner. Like it's it's a very interesting blend of using superheroes that we have grown to trust and appreciate and respect over the years. And it's like now they have a platform. Now they have a voice. Now that they have saved the galaxy in Avengers Endgame, now they have an opportunity to to voice how they feel about certain things. And you know, I I I guess I'm a little torn on it. Like I, in one sense, I really appreciate and respect it. But in another sense, I'm like, we've gotten this far without that. Why did we need it now? But if you take a look at the way things are going in the world right now, if you take a look at how society is, I think there's never been a more needed time for these things to be discussed and addressed than right now. If this was happening Absolutely. any other time, if this was happening any other point in history, I'd be like, oh, we don't need this. But I think, in my opinion, some of these things, particularly the conversations that were had in the final episode, are ones that really need to be had in society today. And the Falcon and Winter Soldier gives people not only like really good acting and really good storytelling, but it gives you that platform to start a conversation with somebody uh, about some of these really, really tough topics. And you have like a, a middle ground that you can draw from, pull it from this show and let the discussion start from there. And I think that's probably one of my favorite things about the show. Yeah. It's, it's like, cause it's done in a fictional, fantastical universe and in a show that's you know obviously got superheroes stuff like that it's not meant to be reality but it's a mirror you know the mcu is a mirror of our own universe just with superheroes and what happened to isaiah is 
a you know you can find examples in real world history where stuff very similar happened to people, and it's pretty bad. And so, like using this, and it didn't have to. You didn't have to do this. Marvel didn't have to address systematic racism. It didn't have to address the whole like the whole idea of like a a black person being Captain America. It didn't have to do this. No. It could have just been. It could have just been, you know, Sam Wilson going like, hey, you know, Steve Rogers was my friend and, you know, I'm I don't feel like picking up that shield because I feel like it was his and I am not sure. I'm not sure of myself. It could have just been that and people would have accepted that. I think it would have been fine. But Marvel doing this and giving the opportunity to tell this story and doing it in a way that's very true to it and have, you know, and doing it in a way that. You know, people in the real world can go, yeah, that's exactly in the world. Examples like one of my favorite moments is where, you know, Bucky finally apologizes to Sam and says, hey, you yeah. know, Steve and I, we didn't really understand. We didn't think it through what a black man taking the shield really meant. And I'm sorry. And I thought like. I I feel like I've been there. I feel like I can totally relate to Bucky in that moment that like I didn't think about this stuff. I grew up as a white person and you know, I didn't think about certain things, how black people's lives were affected by certain things that I didn't even think about. And doing it in a way and me kind of growing up and learning more about the world and going like, "Hey, um yeah, that was bad. I didn't like I'm sorry for not noticing that before. And I think it's a great moment for like for someone like Bucky who is this established character in the MCU, who is this thing who's getting over his own stuff to like humble himself. Give us an example just like, "Hey, sometimes you have to just admit when you're wrong. You have to admit and humble yourself and say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't realize this, but I'm learning and I'm I'm growing and I'm evolving and I'm learning about your experience and your view of the world i think that's powerful stuff it really is and i think marvel doing this i think was perfect the the the, the timing the timing of it in my opinion was yeah. as spot on as it could possibly be because there needs to be a conversation there there needs to be better understanding there needs to be a a place of, of safety where someone can approach this and say, I want to talk about this. And the, the other person can be like, I want to talk to you about this. And I think the Falcon and winter soldier gives great opportunities to be able to have that type of engaging conversation. And like I said, that's probably one of my favorite elements of the show, but another one of my favorite elements, and I'm just going to be kind of personal for a little bit was seeing Aaron Kellyman, as Carly Morgenthau. Yeah. Enfys freaking Nest. She is going to get so many acting offers now based on this show. Rising like, star. Rising star. Like, holy damn. Did she make me want to join the Flag Smashers? <laughs> like, not even kidding, dude. Like, there were elements of what she was talking about and the conviction and the passion and the energy that she had. It was, it was, it was, it was grabbing. I, I don't even know what the proper word for it is, but it was, it was magnetizing. Enthralling. Yes. I enjoyed 
seeing her exploits, and I also enjoyed seeing her decline. Because she's got the moral high ground more often than not in the first half of the show. Yeah. Then by the time you get to like five and six where there are innocents involved and, you know, she's kind of losing perspective and is willing to harm other people to prove her point. Like she starts losing that moral high ground bit by bit. And to to watch that evolution and then kind of de-evolution almost all from one actor is just fantastic. Kellyman knocked it out of the park. She is an incredible actress. Like I think, I think everyone that watched Solo: A Star Wars Story, like you, you got an impression like this person. I've never seen you before, but you are amazing at this. And right. it's like the the um, the such a little amount of story time and screen time that she had in that movie, and that she stole every second of it. Um, I think set her up for success and then bringing her into this movie. It's just, you know, it's phenomenal. And like, it sucks that, you know, spoiler alert, by the end, she's dead. She's not going to be presumably not a part of this, uh, this whole thing in the future in the MCU. But it's, it's great to see her great to see. I can see I'm one that I kind of like, I'm not totally sold on the whole like flag smasher thing i'm i have a few criticisms i have a few like tweaks i'm like uh where what's going on here you know what's what's the deal like what i don't think it was as clearly explained as it could have been in regards to like what they want and what happened and what why they want it back in the blip and stuff like that but you still buy into her you still buy into her and you're rooting for her you you know understand like there's they're categorizing these flag smashers as the villains but like they don't have a world takeover thing they're just like hey um you remember when you know the everyone on earth was you know together and you know united as humans we like to just go back to that and not you know and and be keep doing that that's a just cause i think that's great and you know and it's also again kind of kind of apt in a way because like I, I can't help but think about the idea of like you look at how divided we are in the world right now, and you know the 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 most united the United States ever was was after September 11th and after everything that happened there and how how it didn't matter if you were left or right or whatever you know we were in mourning we came together as a nation. It was this unifying moment for America. And now those days are long gone, unfortunately. But it was still a, like, look back on that moment and go, like, oh, that was great. Like, we were all on the same page at that moment. Like, it didn't matter who you were or what, you, what side you were on. That's basically what the Flackers Masters are going to be looking at. They were in a stage of mourning, a stage of just this awful thing that happened was the, the, the snap, the blip. And they, you know, the, the world came together. That maybe even the universe somehow came together and, you know, opened up their borders and did all this stuff. And now they, they everyone comes back and they're like, okay, let's go back to the status quo. Let's go back to the way things were. And, you know, they're like, nah, let's, let's keep going with this. Let's take what we get. And, and you know, that's, I, I, I like her view of things, even though she goes off the deep end. And definitely does the bad things and, you know, is going about it the wrong way. I like yeah. Sans' approach to it. I like how he's like, you know, 
I agree with, with your fight. I just don't get with all your fighting it. And him, like, sh- he's standing up for her in the end after she's dead and saying, look, she had the wrong ideas, but she didn't. She had the right ideas. She just went about it the wrong way. I love that. Right. And and that's what made her character so compelling was maybe she did have some of the right ideas. But like you said, it, it was more about how she went about doing it, not not the fact that that maybe a, a unified world is a bad idea, but more along the lines of maybe we should just go about doing it a different way. And that's that's why that speech in the in the sixth episode is so important, I feel like. Like I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but I feel like that speech is important in more ways than one, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But not just Aaron Kellman. Can we also talk about Daniel Bruhl? And his return at Zemo. <laughs> that guy, like, you didn't realize how little we got of him in Civil War. Then watching him in this and realizing, like, his range and his acting and, like, his, like, turning on the charm and managing to, like, make himself be a believable, like, not villain, but kind of an anti-hero. And then, and then he danced. And then he did his whole thing, and he, the world okay. fell in love. I'm gonna I'm gonna start the timer. You've got one hour now to talk about his dancing. You promised over in the intergalactic peace hangout. Right. Got to spend All at right. least an hour talking about his dance moves. It, it, I I read somewhere that like the stuff that ended up in the in the final cut wasn't even like a fraction of all of the dancing that Brol actually did. <laughs> In that scene, if you watch the episode, it's just like this intercutting thing between like them coming back to her hideout and then they're waiting to go out and find the guy that made the serum. It's just a nothing scene, but then they throw in him just going at it. And it's just amazing. Like, didn't, out of all the things I expected from the series, Zemo working his stuff on the dance floor was not what I expected at all. Oh, I'm not complaining though. <laughs> I'm, I am definitely. And then not. they released the Zemo cut. Like that was great. <laughs> By popular demand. Yeah, I think, um, I think that was actually an hour long, which is amazing. Oh, jeez, Louise. Yeah, we'll we'll try and find that and put it in the intergalactic peace hangout for those of you that actually want to spend an hour looking at and talking about those dance moves but uh that that's that's just not something we've got the time for tonight chad in the chat says a disney plus zemo show is a need ben agree or disagree i would not be opposed i think they definitely set him up as a more nuanced character here they set him up as someone who was vastly more interesting they added the whole element of oh yeah he's rich he's royalty he has all this money and all this power and he's also Maybe not evil. Maybe he's just a guy that's just like, you know, Civil War, he was, he was, you know, caught by grief and he wanted to destroy the Avengers and he did it. But ultimately, coming out of that, he's a very reason. And in a lot of cases in this show, he's a voice of reason. I think he's, he, I mean, he basically calls it, you know, he's, you know, he's talking about super soldiers and how they shouldn't exist. Carly Orgenthal is on a path to destruction and she will, you know, like she tells Sam, you know, hey, look, either you're going to kill her or she's going to kill you. Like, you know, there is thing. It doesn't quite happen that way, but she does die in the end. And 
like he's like putting like this whole speech about putting people up on pedestals and like doing all this stuff and his kind of his objection to the whole idea of a Captain America and like putting getting super soldiers like you, you can't fault him for that. It's not necessarily a bad thing. He is wrong, but he's not totally wrong. And and I think that's part of what makes this show so intriguing is there's a lot of people like that that are like they're not completely wrong, but the way they they do it is not completely right either. You know, Zemo is that way, Carly is that way, even even um who is it? Uh Wyatt Russell as John Walker. There you you go. know, he's kind of got some pretty good intentions, but he's got some pretty bad methods of doing it. And so, you know, you've got at least three different characters in this show that are kind of in this morality gray zone. And it's fun to watch and it's fun to see them interact with one another as you try and figure all of that stuff out. Like, to 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 see how obscure the world is when it comes to morality and doing the right thing. Even the council members are kind of in this moral gray area, the ones that we see in the in the finale. Like there's a lot of people that stand up for and, and believe in one thing or another, and sometimes those things clash. And we get a really good example of what that clash looks like um let, let's talk about uh john walker for for just a moment yeah and then, and then we'll bring in sean i see him prepping the producer's table ready to to join awesome. the, to join the conversation but your thoughts on wyatt russell who according to the imdb trivia actually tried out for the role of captain america and now actually gets to play captain america uh post steve rogers I heard about that, and you like if you look at him in that costume, and you look at it, you're like, I can see that. Like, I, I, you can see like in this universe and both even out of universe, like how someone like him would might end up as Captain America, and man, White Russell, like next level acting, like, and I, I love that the community has come together since he, he kind of got some flack for it. He got some people that are like, oh, I don't like this guy, whatever. And he was getting some harassment or whatever. And people are like, no, that's not cool. But like, it's amazing. Like the amount of hate that character, not the actor, but the character got Mm -hmm. and how much like Wyatt Russell was managed to make that happen. Like act the hell out of it and make you hate him so much. And you do so much. But at the same time, I think his portrayal and John Walker in particular was way more nuanced than I ever expected in regards to them introducing him as like, you know, Hey, this is a guy that technically speaking, he deserves the shield. He is a good soldier. He is a fantastic soldier. He is actually worthy of the shield, technically speaking. And, Yes, he's got a massive chip on his shoulder. He's got a massive ego, and he's kind of a jerk. But at the same time, he's kind of got good intentions. He's trying to do good. He there is shades of him being genuine, being good. His whole thing about you know I'm not trying to be Steve. I'm not trying to be him. I'm just trying to be the best Captain America I can be. Yeah. And 
I I like that about him. I like that they can and his spiral downwards, him you know you know killing that guy and the whole fight and and him becoming you know U.S. agent. I think was was an amazing turn of events, dude. When he finished the job, when he used the shield as a weapon in front of everybody, and then they make that like the end of the episode, I was like, holy crap! They went there. They got the blood of the shield and everything, man. It's just gosh, the bloody shield is something that would never happen with Steve. It would absolutely never happen with Steve, and yet it happens here with John, and it's just oh my gosh, I I lost it when that was like the end of the episode. I was like, no, you've got to give me more. <laughs> like that was that was when they reeled me in when like. I don't think it's any secret for those of you that have been listening to IPC for any amount of time. Captain America is probably like my favorite Avenger. I love Chris Evans. Same. I love Rogers. Like I just, I've identified with Captain America since the first Avenger came out and to see this conflict of who's going to be, you know, picking up the shield and who's going to be carrying the mantle and who's going to be representing the brand of Captain America and, and what that's supposed to stand for to see John lose control the way that he did and to see, the the outburst of of anger what's scary is that also resonated with me because if you drive in a car with me you know that i'm prone to road rage and so like i have anger outbursts too maybe not to the point that i'm going to use a giant metal circle to kill somebody but i have emotional outbursts myself and it makes me wonder what I would do in that situation because he doesn't have, you know, at first he doesn't have any super serum. He, he he does by the time he kills that guy. But at first he doesn't have any super serum. He doesn't have anything that makes him, you know, special or unique. He's just a guy. Like you said, he's just a guy. Right. And it makes me wonder if I was just a guy, you know, what would that look like if I had the shield, if I had the mantle? And it's it's just it's interesting to think about and it's interesting to watch that all unfold because uh you you never you never know and i i will definitely never know but we get some insights thanks to uh to john walker he's he's got these temptations he's got the the temptation to take the serum and he does and as soon as he does, as soon as he does that, as soon as he does that, I, thought, <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything. All right. As soon as he does that, he, I, I start sounding Canadian. Yeah. Okay. Um, as soon as that happens, he starts to lose perspective and he ends up losing his best friend because of it. And just that, that emotional spiral that he goes down is so captivating and so good. If you'll mar if you'll pardon the, the, the cap pun, the cap tivating. Um, but I I Fair really enough. enjoyed his performance. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of um Joffrey Baratheon from Game of Thrones. Yeah, I got those vibes too. The 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 actor just oozes this sort of resentment where you just don't want to enjoy them, but you also really enjoy how invested they become in like in being the character that they are. Like you can see that in Wyatt Russell's performance. 
He is invested in being this character, and he does it so well. Yeah, he just, like, I honestly, if he had actually gotten cast as Captain America, I think he would have been great. But I think we would have missed out on a hell of a performance as John Walker and him bringing, being brought into this role at the right time, I think, which is great. And having him at the, in the backdrop of all this and having weaving all these things together to give us this, like, stew of a story where – we have these flag smashers that are kind of the villains, but not really. And we have John Walker, who is the villain, but kind of not really. Yeah, I liked that a lot. I liked it that this was showing the shades of gray. I think, you know, part of Captain America's story, especially like the first three movies, is like you have the first Avenger and it's like pretty clear who's the bad guys, who's good guys. Like it's, it's Nazis and it's. I'm, you know, and the allies and the, you know, there's no question of who you should be fighting for. Then Winter Soldier comes in and wrecks all of that. It's like, oh, whose side are you on? It's Hydra, it's Shield, Hydra's within Shield, and all this kind of stuff. And then it's even more muddy the waters when you have the Avengers fighting each other in Civil War. This takes that even step further and just like, who is actually the bad guys here? Who is really? Do- it's just a bunch of people kind of doing the best they can. And making some bad choices, Carly Morgenthau makes some bad choices. John Walker makes some really bad choices. But they're still kind of trying to do a good, nice, they're trying to make it work. And I think, and even the heroes, the quote-unquote heroes, Sam and Bucky, they're making bad choices too. And, you know, leading to the drama and stuff like that. So, like, I think it's fascinating to kind of, like, throw all these characters together and see how they play off each other. And they play off each other so well. And I, I, I think, I think it's the, the character dynamic that is one of the biggest things, obviously the choreography, the action sequences, the, the finale, there's a lot of things about this show that are really, really solid. But I think that's one of the things that really stands out to me is just the chemistry, the odd screed, excuse me, yeah. I'm tired of y'all. Oh, bull- am I boring you? <laughs> y'all's bullshit. It's making me yawn. Um, no, I just had a long work day, dude. Like, oh, I got there. I, I got there at like eight thirty, and I wasn't done till like almost six. So it was it was a long work day. Um, but I, I love the 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 chemistry because you know Sam and Carly have a really good scene. Uh, you, you've got the three-way fight between, um, Sam and Bucky and, and John, you, you've got the interactions, uh, that, that you have with, um, with, with the, 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 uh, warriors from Wakanda. Remind me of their, their, oh, the, the Dora Milaje, Dora Milaje. You get them included in this as well. Did not expect that either. (laughs) I I didn't. But then as soon as they had like those little reminders that Bucky spent like over a year with them, I was like, oh yeah, makes total sense. I I just, yeah. Like, and and of course, like yeah, Bucky and Sam break Zemo out of prison, of course they're going to be pissed off. Of course you're going to piss off Wakandans because, like, oh, yeah, they mur- he murdered their king. Of course, when you break him out of prison, um, they're going to be on to you. Yeah, more or less. 
So yeah, just the 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 the, the chemistry, the development, the interactions. There's just so much that happens in six episodes that it's really, really impressive when you stop to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think just I think that's the whole thing with like this show is like the whole reason it exists is like I think going back to like the idea that like they like Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie never really shared a whole lot of screen time. If you think about it, they're not they're not they didn't you know do a whole lot together in the movies but when they would go on the press tours and stuff like that they would always pair those two up and they were freaking hilarious like they had fantastic chemistry and even on screen a little bit you know the whole thing of you move your seat up no like there was there was something there that they thing and I always like the fact that like basically they're two sidekicks they're two best friends of Captain America from different times. And of course they're not going to get along because it's always weird when you show up and you know somebody, but then you show up at their house and their other friend that you don't know is there. And it's like, it's always a little awkward, just a little bit when you don't know the person like, oh, do I like you? Are we friends? Because I know you and he knows you, but the thing, and it's weird. And now that that mutual friend is gone, how do they deal with that? And that's the whole premise of this show, I think, is works so well. And playing off of Mackie and, and Stan's just incredible, incredible chemistry, I think, is great. Well, you know, I, I've seen other, like, sitcoms and stuff before where there's, like, two people that don't hang out with each other but they both hang out with this mutual friend big bang theory is a really good example of it you know when leonard and sheldon aren't in the picture what happens when you try to get amy and howard to do something <laughs> together? you know like right like, like amy usually hangs out with with sheldon and howard usually hangs out with leonard so when you've got all of them in the room it makes sense but as soon as you take out the two pieces of glue in the group all of a sudden, stuff kind of starts to fall apart. And these guys are kind of picking up the pieces now that Steve, who was the glue of their team, is gone and trying to figure out what the next move is. And there's a lot of shows where when the main characters are gone, the stuff that happens after it is just crap. <coughs> that 70s show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've heard. Oh, I've heard. But this one picks up those pieces and carries it forward in a very logical and and progressive manner. And I appreciate the hell out of that. Yeah, so, and, and one thing that I love really quick I just want to say is sure. the fact that people kept talking about like, oh, what if Steve's going to show up? They're going to bring Chris Evans back as old Cap. Like, And I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that. It would have been cool. But I think the whole idea of this show is the fact that if Captain America, if Steve Rogers was in it, he would fix all the problems that they have. Yeah. It's the fact that he's gone that that's why the main crux of the story is like Cat Steve would probably know how to deal with, you know, Carly Morgenthau pretty well. And there would be no need for John Walker if Steve Rogers was still around. And, you know, he would know how to deal with Bucky and Sam and how to get them together. But it's because he's out of the picture, because he's gone. They won't say where he is. There's been theories about him being on the moon, and we still didn't get answers to that. But 
ultimately... Wait, couldn't the Inhumans find him? Apparently, because canonically they're on the moon. That's a thing, I think. Oh my gosh. I'm done talking about the Inhumans. I'm sorry. Done. That's going to be in season two of the Humans. You watch. Oh, God. Chris Evans. Remember, you know that secret project they keep talking about? Chris Evans is going to be coming back as Captain America. It's the Inhuman season two. Mark oh, my words. God, no. Please don't give us another <laughs> season of that. I couldn't even make it through four episodes. I, I just love that the Eternals looks like the better version of that. Or as I put it in our little group chat, Eternals is to Inhumans what Jurassic Park is to zombies. Oh, there's our zombies reference. Yay, Yay, we did it. I was wondering. Take a drink. Take a drink. I was wondering when our obligatory zombies reference was going to happen. Finally did. Oh, man. Speaking of Jurassic Park, I'm not going to get too much on a sidetrack, but the Jurassic franchise is alive and well. I'm just going to put that out there. So I've heard. Uh, so something else that I have not seen, which is uh, Camp Cretaceous, but we might be talking about it pretty soon, maybe, maybe. Dude, you've got to watch season three, not just for podcasting reasons, but just for good television reasons. Oh, my gosh. There's some stuff in there that is like it's the show maybe rated TVY seven, but it, there's some stuff in there that is like the stuff of nightmares. I'm just well, there's, there's stuff in the first two seasons like, wow, this is a kid's show. What? It's not. It's not a kid's show. It's, it's freaking scary as hell. I'm telling you. I mean, there's kids in it, but it's not a kid's show. Just saying. <laughs> All right. It's time for our listener feedback section. We posed a question to the people in the chat over at the Intergalactic Peace Hangout. It's a public group. Go look for Intergalactic Peace Hangout on it's Facebook. It's actually facebook.com slash groups slash IPC podcast is the URL for it. Oh, well, how about that? Really easy to find then. We, we've got this whole branding thing going on regarding that that slogan, IPC podcast. It's really, really easy to keep up with. Um, but um, – we, we pose the question, what things do you want us to talk about? What components do you really want us to cover? And there was some really good responses, and that's going to be yeah. one of the things that we get to before we give our final overall scores on uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier for the night. And uh, one of the people that provided feedback asking us to talk about this stuff was our own producer and the founder of Phantom Empire, Sean. So, Sean, I hope you've got that slide ready so that you can join us on the broadcast, bud, because it's time for listener feedback and, uh, get over here. Get your ass over here, bud. Oh man. You have got the sweetest setup among the three of us. Now go away. <laughs> You're making the rest of us look bad. Shit, man. Uh, no, come back. We need you. Uh, <laughs> dude, uh, let, let's start with just your thoughts on the Falcon and Winter Soldier. You've been saying in the chat that you find it to be the best uh, MCU uh, TV show, uh, even though you haven't seen WandaVision yet, but we're not going to open up that can of worms. But you're just overall thoughts on the show. And the the main point that you wanted to talk about this evening was the chemistry between uh, Bucky and Sam. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, you guys were touching on it earlier. I was trying to think of how often I seen Bucky and Sam together in a movie. And the only time that I could like really think about it, like with any certain length was civil war when they uh, fought Spider-Man. 
yeah. yeah. In the airport. And then I'm like, oh, crap. You know what? That was probably the funniest sequence of that entire film. I'm like, so I went back and I watched it and I'm like, holy crap. That's awesome. And then like literally two weeks later, uh, I forget who it might have been Screen Rant or Deadline. One of those big places um, had an article and apparently the chemistry between them in that scene is what led to the beginning of the show. So makes I, sense. I can see that. I can see that. Because you, you, you've got to have something that gives people the idea of, hey, this this could be worthwhile. This could be worth the investment. I don't even know what the budget was for the movie, but or, or for, for Falcon and Winter Soldier. But, I mean, you've got to be looking at, you know, six, seven digits at least, seven digits, probably eight or nine, as far as, like, how much you're putting into this series. And so you've got to have something that is a worthwhile component that makes you say, hey, this is this is worth spending all that money on in order to 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 give you you know to give you to to give you this program there's got to be something about that that I'm makes I'm seeing uh figures as high as 225 million Jesus. dollar budget so yeah there's got to be something that makes the executives go this is good enough to invest 225 million dollars into Whew. Lots of money. Lots of money. What's funny is they had some decent chemistry in Civil War, but then they don't even appear in the same episode. Like, they don't appear together in the first episode. Like, Buck's doing his thing over here. Sam's doing his thing over here. Like, they're not even... Like, it's a show about the two of them, but they're not even in the same area. And it's it's interesting to see how, like, as the episodes progress, there's like some tension there's some like antagonism there's some snide sarcastic commentary like there's some stuff going on that makes you feel like yeah maybe they're not best friends but they they like grow to become really good teammates by the end of the show yeah and like i i I, I like the whole dynamic there. And I, I like that, like, I think they, they even said, the creator said that, like, yeah, that was intentional on their part to have that first episode, have them be apart, to have them have separate storylines, that they are individual characters dealing with their own stuff, and then they converge in the second episode. And it really kind of made the name of the show much more apt, that it was just like, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're just throwing them together. It's not really, it, it's kind of a buddy cop movie, but it's not. But it's about both their stories. I think that was really important to do. Sean, what did you make of the progression of their characters from the convergence in episode two to the the finale at the end of six? Uh, well, for starters, I thought it was very well written. Like uh, they could have easily put both those characters together right off the bat. And, you know, if I'm remembering right, as I stated earlier, the uh, chemistry in the airport scene in Civil War led to the show uh to know that you have that good of chemistry to make both characters start in separate places and eventually get together mm-hmm. uh i thought was a brilliant idea because it just shows they had faith in the chemistry between the two uh characters and uh their actors um and even like think about it from that even from when they meet to the end of the series 
there's still chunks in there, significant chunks in there, where they're not together. Yeah. True. Yeah. There's there's side quests and other little things that they're doing off on their own and then kind of reconvening. But kind of like like those old chums that you may have where like you're in touch with them but you don't see them very often, but as soon as you need them, you know that they're in your corner, like they're they're there for you. Um I feel like that's kind of the dynamic that we get between these guys. It's like, yeah, we both have things that we're needing to do, but as soon as like one of us is in some kind of a crisis, the other one shows up. Cause um, like even, even in Louisiana, you know, when, when, when Sam's working on the boat, Bucky just kind of shows up. Like they weren't expecting him to be there, but he shows up and he helps out and starts hitting on Sam's sister and everything. Like, (laughs) I mean, like if that's not friendship, I don't know what is that you're gonna be hitting on your friend's sister. But I, I, I really enjoyed just the 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 complexity of it. You know, it, the the whole scene where they're in the same room with the therapist and they're like trying to hash everything out, and they're very very icy. But then they don't need the therapist when they actually have to confront their feelings. You know, when when push comes to shove, they finally hash everything out on their own. And I feel like they become better for it by by the end of the series. And like their point of conflict isn't cheap. It isn't like it doesn't feel forced. I think obviously the whole point of the show is like showing that Sam was was correct in his feelings of of like being advantageous to take the shield and, and, and not wanting to do that. Um, and take up the mantle like he was supposed to do. And so him putting it in a museum and then ending up in the hands of John Walker, you know, that was a mistake that he made, but it was it was something that it was understandable. But understandably, again, Bucky takes that very personally. And even he says as much as like that, that shield is basically all I have left. And you, you gave it away and him. He's justified in saying like you threw the shield away what are you what are you doing you made a mistake and him being pissed at sam mm-hmm. but then sam is justified in that so like their point of view and them doing all the stuff and coming together at the end and going like understanding each other and talking about it and being you know and becoming friends over it that's wonderful character development yep it really is it really really is uh so so much great like interpersonal dynamic and the communications major in me just loves that, that interpersonal dynamic that you get. Um, but there, there are some other components that people asked us to talk about as well. Uh, Matthias is a longtime listener of the show and, and he sent us something um, that I didn't even catch, but I I'm glad somebody did. Cause I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here, here's the deal. I'm, I'm not like a, big Nintendo type of guy, but apparently there is a character in Nintendo who is called Captain Falcon. And he does the Falcon Punch! Yes, I've played Smash Bros. I just, I totally don't remember that at all. (laughs) But he says, in the last episode, there's a scene where some people wonder what they should call Falcon now that he uses a Captain America-like suit. One of them mentions Captain Falcon, and I took it as a reference to the Nintendo character with the same name, known for the F-Zero and Super Smash Brothers games. Uh nice catch, Matthias. And and yeah, thank in, you. In for... the uh I think he's he, I think he's referring specifically to the scene where 
Sam shows up and the media is all there and the media is like yelling out questions to him like, oh, are you Captain Falcon now? <laughs> and I I about burst out laughing when I heard that. Like, that's that's good stuff. Like, of course, that's actually not a bad name. But no, he's not Captain Falcon. Captain Falcon. Not Black Falcon either. No, don't 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 call him that. <laughs> What 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 was what was the retort that he gave to the kid? He's like, "So you're black kid? Oh, you black like kid? That? You you black neighborhood kid?" <laughs> like, no. But then well, Isaiah keeps saying, "Oh, Black Falcon, you know, well, what you doing, Black Falcon?" And then, uh, but it, I mean, it all comes around, and then, like him accepting that title and people like calling him it, and it's just ah oh, man, it's so good. Um, so we, we kind of touched on, on the Buck and Sam chemistry a little bit. Matthew sent us in a, a, a question earlier and yeah. kind of did it in the chat earlier this evening. Um, let, let, let's, let's kind of circle back to the Americans of different stripes perceive Walker's story. Cause we've got a Canadian on the broadcast right now. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, um, Carly flag smashers as antagonists when they could have been supporting heroes, I don't know if you go into the political undercurrents of that, but I see them. And then the idea of Sam as Steve's successor. Um, I I want to address um, his point about a, he says, a lack of slash incomplete Bucky character arc. Yeah, and this is something yeah. this is something that I actually have thought quite a lot about because there was the thing at the end. It was it was almost a controversy because at the end of the show, we have the title screen and it says Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And people understandably are like, OK, it's both of their shows. And why wasn't why is he still called the Winter Soldier? And why is why is he keeping that name when he's like, this is him getting over that, getting past the Winter Soldier. And I think that the, the fact is that he didn't have a complete character arc as Sam did in this show. Sam started with being given the shield, getting given the mantle, giving that up and going, no, I don't want to do that. And then coming back around and learning all this stuff and deciding, hey, I want to be Captain America. And he makes that switch from being Falcon to being Captain America. He literally is Falcon when the first scenes, and he's Captain America in the last scenes of the show. Bucky is not – it's not as clear, and I think that is sort of intentional in the way that he starts out – I mean the first scene we see him in is a flashback to him being the Winter Soldier. Right. And him doing and having a dream and having nightmares and all this kind of stuff and coming about this and then even gets worse later because he he kind of gets manipulated by Zemo and he's using the, the Winter Soldier identity to get into Madripoor and all this kind of stuff. And so it's ultimately he <laughs> – but uh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm, – I'm seeing the production design going on here. I'm laughing. Um, um, but like he doesn't – he doesn't go he doesn't go back to just being like you could say oh he's the white wolf but that's the that's the you know the wakandan name he's bucky barnes he's sergeant barnes okay that's fair he's back to the thing but i think ultimately it's not about really him like picking a thing sam picks his goal he picks his identity 
Bucky is just like getting free of the Winter Soldier, and maybe that's a good criticism to say, hey, wait, why is he Winter Soldier at the end? Why should he be something else? I think he's more open to maybe in Captain America 4 we find out that what is his place in the universe? Like where where is Bucky going to go after this? What's he going to do? Like he's not the Winter Soldier anymore. Is he going to join the Avengers? Is he going to go off? Is he going to go – could he show up in the Eternals? Could he be a character in that? Could he go show, go up in, with Guardians of the Galaxy? Could be go off into space somewhere? Like he could go anywhere, but that's not really decided yet, and I think – that's intentional. I think that's actually interesting because it gives them room to like, okay, let's we've established Bucky as being through with the Winter Soldier stuff. Now let's go further and go. Where does he go next? Here's another thought that that I had because I actually heard that they had one of those closing um, scroll bars instead of saying Captain America and the Winter Soldier, uh, it was going to say Captain America and the White Wolf. So I think I heard that too. Yeah, I, I heard that that was a possible alternate ending that just didn't make it to the final cut. I I do believe that that Bucky is done carrying that mantle. They just wanted to put more attention on Sam, I suppose, rightfully so. Yeah, but I I do think that one of two things is going to happen the next time we see, uh, the next time we see Bucky. If somebody calls him the Winter Soldier in person, he may either uh, correct them or what he may do is try and and rebrand where the 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 winter soldier no longer means what it used to mean it used to have negative connotations and maybe he's trying to cast the winter soldier in a new light in a more positive light that's that's how i feel like one of those two things could end up happening Sean, what do you feel like they're going to do with his story moving forward? And I'll I'll toss Matthew's follow-up question to you as well. He said, follow-up question, was Bucky's incomplete arc still satisfying, or did you find it disappointing? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it incomplete necessarily. I, I quite enjoyed it, to be honest, uh, in terms of where it picks up. So I, I have no idea. I would assume that they'll keep them together and that uh, when Captain America four comes uh, Bucky will be a prominent part of that movie. Cause I don't see him getting his own solo series or, uh, or even solo movie. It makes sense to keep them together. In my opinion. Do yeah. you think we could see him in black Panther two? Could Wakanda end up recalling him and try and ask him for help in whatever their next crisis ends up being? I like that. I mean, I I wouldn't write out write off anything for that movie, you know. They they had to go back to square one with it, right? So basically, uh, all hands on deck, in my opinion. Like that that should be something special. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of things that come up in that movie. I, I think his relationship with the Wakandans and Wakanda in general, I think, is a fascinating thing that I think they should definitely like. I I foresee. Being that now Sam has the connection, he's been to Wakanda, he has Wakandan vibranium wings he's flying around with, like, he has connection too. I could see Captain America 4 going to Wakanda and, and like, that crossing over. That that could be interesting. I, I really don't know what they would do going forward. Um, but let, let's t- tackle another one of Matthew's questions really quickly. Um, looking at Carly and the Flag Smashers as antagonists when they could have been supporting heroes... Um, Matthew, I think the short answer is you need somebody to be pre- presented as an antagonist so that you have some cause for your heroes to fight against. 
Like, you've got to have some kind of resistance to somebody else's ideals and beliefs in order to create some kind of compelling this versus this type of storyline. I don't necessarily see the Flag Smashers as direct antagonists, um, but I don't necessarily want to see them as heroes either. Again, going back to that whole moral gray area, personally... I enjoy villains that I can gravitate towards, ones that I can enjoy their development and their story, ones that I can almost even empathize with to a certain degree. And I definitely felt that with with Carly and the Flag Smashers. Um, I found them to be, you know, disruptive and potentially mysterious and evil in the first one or two episodes. But by the time you get around to episode five or six, I'm like, um, yeah, I get where you're coming from. I probably wouldn't do what you did but i get where you're coming from and so yeah they probably could have been cast as supporting heroes but if you've got heroes stacked on top of heroes stacked on top of heroes it just doesn't make for as good of a story i don't think i think matthew's asking the right questions here though i think the show is compelling you to ask those questions of why why are why are carly and the flag smashers being characterized as villains why are they Sure. And this is a universe that, you know, like, okay, the Carly is a villain in the eyes of the U.S. government and the world governments or whatever. Guess who else was a villain in the eyes of the government? Uh, Freaking Captain America himself. Like, 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 there's the whole thing with, like, the government and, like, the quote-unquote public opinion not always being in line with the truth and what is right and what is wrong. So I think we're supposed to ask, okay – well, these guys are supposed to be villains, but they don't act very villainous. They're just doing things, and there's a little bit of mixed messaging there because they do start doing some villainous things. Carly starts blowing up buildings and killing people, and like there is that downward turn, but it starts out as they're characterized like Bucky and Sam are going after them because they're villains, but they're what are they doing? They're they're you know doing they're carrying around vaccines and stuff like that, and. You know, vaccines for what? I don't know. COVID? I don't know what was going on there, but, you know, um, but I think that's interesting. That, I think, is like that's what's interesting about those characters is that they are at odds. But like Sam says, like, I'm not your enemy. And like, we don't have to fight each other. We are on the same side, but it's your choices and how you're fighting is why they end up being enemies. All right. Sean, any thoughts on this? Uh, not really. I don't have much to add here, man. You guys are sort of carrying the ball. Well, uh, he, he, he presents a follow-up question in the chat, and this is why I like having like the original posts and then follow-up questions. Um, Matthew says in the chat, I was thinking that Walker was going to go fuller antagonist. Um, did you, did you see that happening, Sean? Were you thinking that by the end of the series, we could just have John Walker as the full-blown bad guy and maybe Carly and Sam would have to team up to try and take him down maybe? I thought that's what what was going to happen. I absolutely thought that was what was going to happen, but then it didn't, and I'm happy that it didn't because the character development for Walker is just so good. Like Russell is amazing in this show. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, you want to hate that guy at times. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's better than not. My, my, was my Joffrey comparison accurate or was it accurate? Oh, it was like I literally was gritting when you said that, and I posted in the chat. I'm like, I am the king. 
<laughs> uh, no, spot on. And he played it so well. And yet at times he had to, you know, reach for compassion almost because you start to see his personal story involved. And it's just, you know, I don't want to call him Anakin Skywalker and bring Star Wars into this, but like he sort of is able to pull himself off the ledge. He doesn't go all the way. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's key. Obviously he makes a very fatal mistake beforehand, but he doesn't completely lose himself at the end, which is uh, I found to be almost like a, a full circle thing for him in this show. Yeah. It, I like the last episode really surprised me in a way that like, he shows up in New York and he's like, Morgenthau! And he, like, you, you're, he's doing exactly what you expect him to do. Like, he wants to kill Carly because, you know, what happened to, to Battlestar. And, like, that's all totally understandable. But, like, by the end, they're like, Bucky and him are like cracking jokes, like, and they're working together. Like, wait, what is happening? And then, you know, him showing up as US agent. I like that idea. I love the nuance of, like, they could have easily just, he could have leaned into that villainous. And he's, I mean, freaking you see that three-way fight in the second to last episode it's incredible and he's i am captain america you're like oh my god this guy is crazy and wyatt is freaking killing it and like so but setting him up for like okay is he a villain is he not a villain is he a bad guy he's still kind of like on the bad side he's wearing a black suit but he still has the good intentions and maybe he's still trying to do the right thing, but uh, I'm sure he will be fleshed out more in Captain America four and probably won't be, won't be in it a, a protagonist. I don't see him as a protagonist, but I do see him as a leading character just because of how well he carried his role in this show. And that actually ties us into Matthew's final part of the question that he's been sending us is like, um, how Americans perceive Walker's story, character, and motivations. I don't have that perspective, so I'm curious to hear from those who do. Well, Matthew, you're in luck. You got a couple of Americans right here on the show. Merka! Merka. M-E-R-K-A. Merka. I think what he's getting at is uh, his, his moral complexity um and and the way that his story plays out um just how relatable is that to us as americans and maybe how do we feel about him representing america the way that he did um i i i i guess that's the way to put it americans of different stripes he says in the question perceive walker's story character and motivations i'll start with story I was surprised to see his story come full circle, particularly because he's becoming U.S. agent. Oh, now I'm boring you? Is <laughs> that what's happening? Oh, boy. It's going to be like that, eh? <laughs> um, I was surprised to see it come full circle because he's going to become U.S. agent. And yeah. if he's going to become U.S. agent, then there's there's going to be some more of that moral gray area that he's going to have to tackle. And um, his, his character, as we see at the top of the show, is trying to be the best Captain America possible. Obviously, it doesn't pan out. Um, so as that 
doesn't pan out. And as he kind of misrepresents America by his actions, did did that make you feel any particular way as an American, Ben, feeling like he's casting America in a bad light with these international conflicts that he's being part of? No, I mean, I didn't take it like personally as like it was a attack by the writers to like defame America. Um, because personally, I think America has its own PR problems, um, just in the real world in general. Um, and like, I, am um, I don't want to get specific here, but like, you know, obviously a lot's happened in the last few years in the United States of America and people have different opinions on it. But I think most of us agree that it hasn't been the best. We haven't been at our best lately, and I think I think John Walker, for me personally, brings a very real and a very uh, it puts a mirror up to America. I think I think a lot of his stuff does. I'm not saying that like he represents America or whatever like that. All I'm saying is is that I think. And and part of the tragedy of John Walker is that he is someone who is he's a good soldier, and he's this guy who's won you know two or three medals of honor. And he's done all this great stuff, but then they thrust this thing upon him of being Captain America and being this big role. And I love that at the end he kind of calls out this and like you created me, you did this. Like yeah. and yeah, John Walker is not like. He is responsible for his own actions. He killed that guy. He did some pretty terrible stuff and made some really bad choices, but he was put in that situation, and he was helped along with those bad choices by some very powerful people. And I think we all can agree that, like, patriotism is good. I love America. I love my country. But also that can be very toxic sometimes. Sometimes it can it can go from, like, I love my country to – don't ever criticize my country about anything. It's perfect. And like, don't no, that's not cool. Like we can have a discussion. We can talk about, you know, thing. And thankfully we've been having those discussions lately. And I think those have been very productive. Yeah. But ultimately I think John Walker is someone who is kind of represents the, the, some bad parts of America and bad parts of our society and bad parts of the structure that we have and, and putting people on pedestals. And I think it can be, I think it can be applied to a lot more things. It can be, it be applied to just celebrities in general, you know, the destructive path. We, we watch how many countless celebrities, you know, destroy themselves, kill themselves. And like, and then we wonder like, Oh, why did this happen? Yeah. You put person up on the pedestal, told them they were the greatest and whatever, and gave them all this money. And then, you know, they self-destructed. What did you expect to happen? Um, John Walker is an experiment that went wrong. And ultimately, I think it's fascinating. I think it can be applied a lot to real world stuff, too. Well, OK, I've got a twofold point that I want to make. And <laughs> unfortunately, Alex beat me to the punch in the chat by just moments. But this harkens back to Captain America, the first Avenger. How the when when Steve was under yeah. when Steve was undergoing the treatment in the very first Captain America movie, they weren't looking for a good soldier. They were looking for a good man. Exactly. Steve.
Exactly. Steve Rogers was a good man who just happened to be a soldier. Walker was a good soldier. But he clearly shows in this series that he is not necessarily a good man. He is imperfect. Absolutely. He probably tries his best. Sure. But by no means is he actually a good person. And let us never forget that. Let us not, you know, scrape under the rug the notion that because he came back in the finale to help save the day, that does not excuse him from killing somebody. No, absolutely so not. He's He's got things about him that are definitely tarnishes to his record. And what's unfortunate is I can't help but feel, and this is, I swear to God, this is as political as I'm going to get. <laughs> I can't help but feel that that particular scene was a commentary slash microcosm of the way people view the U.S. military getting involved in foreign affairs. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're there not are, wrong at all. There are certain conflicts that happen that are supposed to be internal struggles. They are meant to be things that are being decided between two countries not named the U.S. of A. And then America just swoops in and starts kicking both sides' asses to the point that there is needless death at the expense of America. Yep, you can come up with a many examples. We won't mention them. Because you know what they are. You know those examples. I'm not going to get specific. But going back to Matthew's question, yes, I did feel a little hurt personally because it was a little too close to home. You've You've got some sort of international struggle going on, and America thinks that it knows what's best for the world. And tries to swoop in and do what America believes is right instead of doing what's right for the world. Heck knows if modern day current America and the real world had a Captain America, we'd be sending him all over the place to fix everyone's problems. Um, And that's that's I mean, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Um, You know, it's it's fascinating. And I I love, you know, I, I love this show bringing us to this, being able to talk about this stuff and put it up to a microscope and compare it to real-world stuff. And this show is very real. WandaVision was freaky, out-of-this-world craziness that wasn't at all attached to reality. This is almost too real at times. Yes. Yeah. And and this this brings it really, really close to home. And, and that was one area that it covers – we really haven't talked a whole lot about Isaiah Bradley and the systemic racism that, yeah, that yeah, goes yeah, yeah. on. Uh, I mean, they basically had another Captain America and had no commemoration of him whatsoever. Like, they had another super soldier that they sent into international conflicts. They They had somebody and chose... Not to acknowledge him because he was a different shade of skin. What actual hell? It's so, and I mean, obviously you can connect that directly to the Tuskegee experiments and stuff like that. I mean, Isaiah points it out in the episode. Like, there's stuff in there. 
that you can directly think. But also, it is a – I think the push and pull between Isaiah and Sam I think is a great example for like what black Americans are going through right now and this whole – this cynicism versus this idealism of we have to make things work and we have to make the world a better place. We have to step up and do the right thing. But also there is all this horrible stuff that's happened to us in the past yeah. that we're still bitter about. And I love that this show puts it in our microscope and goes like, yes. And even Sam says, yes, if I was in Isaiah's position, I would feel the same way. I yep. would feel bitter. I would feel I would want to just throw all burn it all down and and throw away the shield and do all this. But Sam's in the position that he's got the positivity and the idealism enough to go that's not wrong, but it's not right. And I have to step up. I have to make things right and make things better in my own way and push forward. And that gets a great message. That's a really great message of knowing that the past was terrible and yes, you should be bitter about it. But being able to put it aside and go, I'm going to do what's best and, and push forward and try to make the world a better place. Yeah. Yep. And that that kind of ties into that that final. That final speech that he gives and. You know, Robin's been a longtime listener of our show, and when you talked about it previously, uh, I guess you gave a lot of attention to that final speech. And Robin commented on that episode and was like, I think mm -hmm. you give it I think you give it too much attention. I think I think you give it more credit than it's worth because, oh, really? well, I, I, to, I can't remember the exact wording, but to a certain degree, he was saying it felt very circular and the 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 heart of the message was simply do better. And yeah, that that's 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 kind of what it is at the heart of it. Um, but I think I, I think the defense that I gave for it was along the lines of this is Sam's first time being able to exert his influence as Captain America. Right. This is the very first time that he actually has an opportunity to use that mantle as a platform to advance the conversation of racial issues. And it's not just that. It's also Carly and the one world concept, which we're going to get to in a second. Din, we have not forgotten your question. I'm saying <laughs> last. Um, but there, there's a lot of things that he's trying to cover all at once, almost like a recap of everything that we've been going through over right. these last, you know, five and a half episodes, more or less. And that would be tough for anyone to do, if we're being honest. But it's especially tough for someone who literally just became Captain America. Literally just decided to take up that mantle and take up that that title. And I think what's interesting about this particular speech is maybe he doesn't have the solutions. Maybe the best he can come up with in this moment really is just this thesis statement of do better. Because... If we're being honest, this World Council has more power and more influence than a black Captain America does right now. Yeah. This council is able to do things differently. And th that's what reminded me, and this is going to be a really weird deep cut, so follow me along with this. But it reminded me of 
Batman versus Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. Batman is able to get shit done, but he's doing it kind of through less than popular means. He gets his stuff done, but it comes at like a moral cost. Whereas Harvey Dent is able to take down corruption in the light. He is able to do stuff that Batman may not have the political influence to be able to do. Sure, Sam has the opportunity to rough and tumble and take down people by force. But I don't think he wants that. I think he wants the world to change using legal, true politics and 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 fixation they they he wants to fix things the right way he doesn't want to go in guns blazing he doesn't want to go in by punching everything the way people have done in the past right and he is challenging these world leaders yes you need to do better because you're the ones who can actually make a change and what's really cool to me is Sam doesn't have all the right words. It's true. I will freely admit that it's not like the best monologue or the best speech I've ever heard. But what makes it so compelling to me is the fact that he is willing to get up there and start saying things when he's been basically Steve Rogers' sidekick this whole time. He's willing to yeah. get up there and start talking, even if he doesn't know how his speech or how his sentence is going to end. He cares enough. He is bold enough to get up there and start saying things, even if he doesn't have it all perfectly laid out. Someone like Steve Rogers would be able to have this great, compelling speech, this perfect speech. Kind of like how we said earlier that if Steve Rogers was in the picture, this show really wouldn't be necessary because he'd be able to relate to Carly. He'd be able to, you know, fix what's broken in society. If Steve Rogers was here, we wouldn't need Sam to be giving the speech at all. Yeah, exactly. And so the fact that Sam is giving the speech makes it okay to me that he doesn't have all of the words down perfectly because he's not Steve. He's not going to give a perfect speech, but he's going to give an impassioned one about the things that he cares about so that he can influence the right people to start making a change. He recognizes it's too big for him to carry himself. And so maybe the thesis statement really is do better, but he's saying that to the people who actually have an opportunity to do something about it. Yeah, I and I like I like several moments in that speech because as you're saying, he kind of admits to them and himself that he's he doesn't have all the answers. That right. I think one of the senators kind of like saying, "Well, you just don't understand." And, you know, he doesn't really some of it he doesn't really respond to other times he kind of like gives non-specific answers. And you could you could definitely say like, hey, you know, you're Captain America. You need to be more specific and say what needs to happen. But I think his whole point is like very nonspecific in the way that like saying, look, look at what you've inspired. Look at what you've been doing, and this has 
this girl over here, she died trying to stop you. Like, think about that for a second. Think about people that are working against you. Think about what they're trying to do and mm-hmm. consider it for a second. Consider the power that you have. Right. That it's not it's it's not to be taken lightly. And I think he understands that he doesn't he's not all powerful. And it almost plays into his the whole idea of him being Captain America. He's right. just a guy. He's just a guy. He doesn't have super soldier serum. Right. But he's he has the mindsets and he's using his communication skills which are amazing and he's these almost therapist like qualities to communicate with them and say hey think about what you're doing he almost gets through to carly if it hadn't been for for you know john walker screwing it up back a few episodes ago um and like he gets through to them and that's the one thing like he is able to get his message heard and that's what makes him such a i think a great captain america already is that it's not about like he can punch the biggest guy and hold his own. He can't. He can say, "Oh, I can do this all day." He's not. He's not Steve Rogers. He's yeah, he's, Sam not, he's definitely not able to do it all day. <laughs> no. But he puts in the effort. He puts in the time, and I respect that. Absolutely. All right. Last segment of the evening, kind of saving some stuff towards the end. I don't know if it's the best for last, but it was one of the last things submitted, and it was something that I felt pretty convicted by and then i started going on that monologue about sam's speech so i don't know maybe i'm just getting rambly because it's getting late but i promise this is the last element we're talking about for the evening if you guys have a q a segment like a q a stuff that you want to submit dmt infinity is just high as hell right now <laughs> it is spamming the flip out of our chat but if you guys have questions that you want to send to us go ahead and put those in the chat now send us a super chat uh, if you want to, every little bit goes towards what we do here on the show, and we appreciate the support. Um, but um, Din Skysinger, a, a supporter of the show, um, sent us this this concept that he wanted to talk about, which is the one world theme, which he calls a crucially needed element of modern myths, according to one Joseph Campbell. Right. Have you ever heard of Joseph Campbell, Ben? Do you know his work? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not as familiar with his work as I am familiar with his students, one being Mr. George Lucas Mm -hmm. and the whole the hero's journey and stuff like that. I'm not overly familiar with it, but like I've heard it literally all my life because like, you know, George Lucas was heavily inspired for Star Wars and the whole like storytelling mythology is like you can be traced back to joseph campbell all this kind of stuff so it, it's a fascinating stuff and if you know din he din from F, f105 he's a listener to the show love you din he always gets very philosophical we should actually have him on the show because he will blow your mind real quick no matter what you're talking about and uh i love that he brings this up this whole thing about the monomyth and the hero's journey and how it kind of figures into this yeah, because uh, what's interesting about the monomyth is that basically all mythic narratives um, have uh, variation are are variations of a single story. So basically, all types of mythology have all these different streams that kind of converge in one river, and that is the monomyth. So you have you have all of these, you know, the the, the Greek mythology, the the Roman mythology, 
different religious mythologies, they all kind of converge and form one uh, one particular thing. And even ends up describing God as a metaphor that interweaves into that monomythic perspective. And as you mentioned, the hero's journey is one that George Lucas tells over and over again over the course of uh, the Star Wars trilogies. So um, it's 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 interesting to to see um, the the influence that Campbell has on Star Wars, but just on hero journey storytelling that happens um, over the course of, of all kinds of different franchises. And this is like a real hero's journey in and of itself because from Bucky's perspective, it's him dealing with all the really bad things he did and, and learning to become a hero and believe in himself. And for Sam's perspective, it's him kind of living in the shadow of someone larger than life like Steve Rogers and learning to literally take his place and be that hero and become who he's meant to be, which is Captain America. Right. And so they both – Bucky and Sam both have their very literal hero's journeys that kind of intertwine in this show, which is great. Well, okay. I'm going to make a counterpoint really quick if I may. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, I, I got to do one quick thing. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's fine. I, I do this this paperwork thing where I have to clock out at 11 p.m. my time, and it's almost 11. <laughs> so We are uh, running a little late. We should be sure off by right. now, but we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Doing the right paperwork. Um, but, okay, here's the counterpoint that I'm going to make, and then we'll get to the Q&A stuff before we call it a night, because there are some really great Q&A questions tonight. Um, apparently when you're high, you can send in really great questions because DMT infinity is sending some really great stuff to us now. Um, but Campbell himself has been quoted saying a hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. Yeah. That is an actual Joseph Campbell quote that I found while I was driving around for work today. A hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. My contention is this. Yes, we get a hero's journey for both Sam and Bucky. But the real hero's journey that we experience in this program is not from either of them. The hero's journey is one that we get from one Carly Morgenthau. Because she is the only one who actually gave her life to a cause that she believed to be bigger than herself. Yeah. I mean, and it's true. It's like, it's right there. Like, she has a hero's journey. It's a tragic one, and it's not always heroic, but it's there. And she, even through her twisted, you know, uh, super serum fog of, you know, all the stuff that's going through her head and and the bad things that she does, is still in service of a greater purpose and a greater, you know, a a good moral decision. But her, you know, her ways of doing it are not the best. Yep. Yep. But... I would contend 
that she is the one that goes on an actual hero's journey. Yeah. All right. Time for Q&A before we go to our barbecue segment, which is the last uh, segment of the evening. Let me see if I can go back to where the questions actually started. I think DMT Infinity had the first question. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I keep, like, checking in on the on the chat, and then I, like, see, like, nothing but DMT Infinity. I'm like, what the heck? Kinds of DMT Infinity stuff. Hey, it's boosting our chat rating, which is awesome. So Hey, I mean, hell yeah, that's cool. Great. Hey, keep doing it. If you enjoyed this episode, by the way, please hit like and subscribe so that you can stay tuned for when future episodes come out. Not this. This. Yeah. Give us the give us that big old thumbs up. We got 17 of them already and one asshole that did a thumbs down. I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with you. You know who you are. But uh, DMT says, what sparked the inner artist in the two of you? And what are your dreams as content creators? Whoa, this is deep. That's a, I did not expect this. That's a really good question. That is a good-ass question. And I'll, First I'll of all, you... I don't consider myself an artist, but uh, hey. Hey, we're, we're, we're creating something, something new that nobody oh. else is creating. I, would, I, I guess that would be considered art. Um, is podcasting an art form? I say yes. I would say yes. Um, honestly, DMT, uh, I, I love sci-fi. I love talking about movies and stuff, but my real dream is to be a, a sports broadcaster. Uh, I've done, I've done announcing stuff for local high school baseball and football teams for almost two years now. And my dream would be to do something at the college or professional level one day. I, I love what I'm doing here, and it gives me great microphone experience. And obviously, I've been doing it with Ben for seven years. So, you know, he and I have great chemistry. And as long as our schedules continue to align, I'm going to keep doing this show. But um, what what really sparked the uh, inner artist or, or uh, yeah, sparked the inner artist was a, a passion for sports and an aptitude for communicating. And uh, I want to put those two things together into a profession one day. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. He kind of asked, like, what got us into this? Mm -hmm. And like, I, you know, sometimes I have a hard time answering that question because it's like I kind of just stumbled into this. We just kind of like I was not the type of person to do anything like this. I grew up a very, very shy person. Um would i mean if i had a chance to be in front of a crowd i would i would lose my mind like you know just doing anything of this nature seemed completely out of the question but yet here i am doing this literally on camera now it's yeah. insane but yet i'm completely comfortable with this and i am you know obviously a completely different person than i used to was and, and i'm amazed that it's come this far and you know but like it is just like you know we just we we like stuff. We we we're, we're nerds. We enjoyed Star Wars and Star Trek and Doctor Who and all these different things and connecting with people over that. And for me, it was especially Star Wars. Being through the Star Wars underworld, how we met, how you know, how I've met so many other people, and just having a shared passion and being able to express that and do it on a platform like this, which is, is still amazes me. It's astounding how. You guys are here and you're listening and you're watching. It's great. Even and at this hour, it's midnight on the East Coast and you exactly. people are still on YouTube. It's ridiculous. 
but like you know us coming here you know every other week just basically pouring our hearts out and saying hey this is awesome we love the falcon and winter soldier we're gonna sit for two hours and talk about how much we love it mm-hmm. that's amazing and i am incredible i feel incredibly privileged to be in this position yep. and you know and obviously you know i just i love you know i i will say yes the medium podcasting i think is is an art form i think it's great and i'm not i'm not saying i'm an artist because a lot of times i feel like i'm very much still learning this craft and very much still growing as a person and uh and trying to figure it all out but i love it so much i love listening to podcasts i love watching podcasts and i especially love doing them and yeah, I love you guys for supporting us and keeping us going and, and giving us a reason to do this because I think we would do it anyway. We would probably – me and Zach would just show up and just say, hey, let's meet every Friday night and let's just talk about Falcon Rear Soldier. I think we would probably do that, but it helps to have an audience. It helps to have – you was, you guys. If this was a weekly show like it has – like it had been in the past, we'd probably be doing like – like a like a three week series where we do two episodes a week, and we're just talking about this show for the next three weeks. But that's not the I case anymore. Totally got to try and cram it all into one night, and it is going long. So we'll go to the next question. We only got a couple of them. Um, Alex Roof asks if you could erase any one movie from history, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh! This is this is power. This is too much power. No, no, it's not. I got, I got one. I got, I got one that is like comes to mind instantly. It has to be one of Disney's worst movies they've ever made. It's about dairy cows that go and try and save their ranch by stopping a yodeling cattle rustler. <laughs> An abomination of a film called Home <gasps> on the Range. Oh my gosh. And yes, that is with the full knowledge that movies like Zombies and Zombievers and Santa Jaws and Sharknado all still exist. I would still rather get rid of Home on the Range. Wow. Wow. Um, I, you know what? I'll say I don't I, I, I think I think I would think I would race Leprechaun. Oh, wow. Kieran would be happy to hear that. <laughs> Is he here tonight? I don't know. Oh, Sean enjoyed that one. <laughs> I knew he would. I knew uh, it. Uh, Sean, uh, Jesse says I would erase Human Centipede. Uh, can't say I disagree. That would that would definitely be one worth getting rid of. <sighs> Suffer through the first one. It's really a disturbing film. Sean put it in the chat asking, "What are your thoughts on Joker two happening?" Um, hell yeah. Love the first one, and I love Joaquin Phoenix's performance. I am all in on getting another Joker film. I have still not seen the first Joker oh. film, and I know blasphemy, whatever. But uh, I heard some rumors, and I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. They could be going to an interesting place with this franchise, and you know, adding to it. So I'm I'm interested. Yeah, keep going with it. Going circling back to the Leprechaun thing really, really quickly. I actually found all seven movies on Blu-ray at Walmart last night. There's or, seven Leprechaun movies. There's seven of them because what? they did one, two, three, four, five, and decided, oh, we should do a sixth one. And then after the sixth one, they were like, oh, hey, you know what? Let's do a seventh. 
Well, uh, I'm, oh, wow. Okay. That's, uh, yep. that is knowledge that I didn't, I've, wow. Didn't, didn't, didn't need to know that, did wow. you? Okay. Here's, here's the really funny thing. I actually got kicked out of Walmart last night. You got kicked out of Walmart for what? I got kicked out of Walmart because apparently my Walmart still has reduced hours due to COVID. I thought when the state opened stuff back up that all Walmarts had gone back to being 24 hours. But apparently mine still closes at 11 p.m. And I was still shopping for stuff at 1120. Oh, my gosh. And I saw fewer and fewer people, but didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's late. <laughs> Whatever. It's like 1130 at night. Whatever. And then, like, this lady who's supposed to be restocking the shelves is like, uh, sir, we're closed. You need to leave. Wow. Wow. I was like, um, okay, bye. You're not going to get, like, the hundred bucks I was going to spend on all the different supplies that I was buying. And I just left it on the, on the seasonal shelf. Like I was, I was in the 4th of July section getting like a hammock and like tiki torches for my 4th of July celebration and stuff. Like I was stocking up and I was going to be buying like a pretty good amount of stuff. And I just left it there. Yeah, that's brutal. But among the things that I left behind was the, (laughs) <laughs> seven movie leprechaun set for 15 bucks oh my gosh okay now it makes sense wow that yeah. it all it all kind of ties together Do yeah our- walmart i, I think it's going to be like a year or two before walmart goes back to like normal because they're the same thing here they close like 11 here that sucks, man. I'm a night owl. I want to go to Walmart and do like shopping cart jousting with pool noodles at two. That's in the, the only time of the day when Walmart is tolerable. When you go there in the middle of the night and there's nobody there. Yep, exactly. But come on, man. Whatever. Uh, Flinner says in the chat, I think there's actually eight or nine Leprechaun movies in Toronto. Freddy replies, "That's about eight too many." <laughs> Fair uh, enough, Toronto Freddy. Okay. Uh, we got one more thing we need to talk about before we call it a night, and I, I hope that we have the image available because I really want people to see Me what too. it is that we're going to be talking about because it is a piece of work. <laughs> it's art. It is art. Sure, we can call it that. <laughs> if you have social media, then get out your hashtags because it is time for hashtag barbecue watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. Our friend and longtime listener, Stephen Schinder, sent us this image uh, earlier today in the uh, in the Hangouts. And I sat there looking at this thing for a long time going, what in the ever-loving hell is this? And this is one of the cool parts of the show where we actually get to incorporate like a like a like a like a graphic 
uh, for you guys to actually see what it is we're talking we'll, about. We'll describe it to you. For those of you listening in the future, we'll we'll give you a, a, a decent enough we'll description of this thing. Then, then you'll get to you'll get to hear about it, sure. Um, but this came from the official Oreo page. Like this was Oreo's official Facebook page. And I was sitting here going, wait a second. This isn't like some some fake group or or something that it's like um no this is real this is this is very <laughs> real somebody actually made this and then took a picture of it and put it on their on their feed for Oreo and I don't know where like it came from like who made this or whatever but this was on Oreo's official page and like they shared it and then Steven Schinder shared it. And Schinder, for those of you who don't know who 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 are friends or follow Steven Schinder on social media, he has a bit of a fascination. There it is. There you go. Good lord. Steven loves just these weird, just cre- almost creepy like versions of food. <laughs> Yeah, the, some of Steven's food combos are a little out there. A but, little? Okay, a lot. But this is one combo that I'm actually kind of intrigued by. It is an Oreo barbecue burger sandwich. Like, that's, that's the best way I can put it. It's like a really, really dark wheat bun with, like... I think that's cookie dough in the middle, along with like like barbecue grilled chicken with like sauce glazed across it. That's barbecue sauce, not chocolate sauce. But then there's actual Oreos inside this sandwich as well. And so, yeah, I like I'm looking at this going. So you're going to have like something really hearty from the bread. You're going to have something really sweet from the Oreos and then you're going to have something really savory with the barbecue meat. Like, this is a cacophony of flavors that I am both intrigued and disgusted by. <laughs> so, like, for those of you at home that aren't uh, that aren't watching the stream, um, so, like, you got, like, the bottom bun, you got the net, the, like, a piece of meat on the bottom bun, and there's something else there, I don't know what it is, there's, like, a jumble of things, could be mustard and ketchup, I don't know, it could be a mixture of be cheese could be cheese and chocolate sauce i don't know i don't know but and then there's like seeds on the top part of the bun and i really don't know how to feel about that and then there's like a clump of like the the frosting you get in the cream filling you get in a oreo but it's like a gob of it like it's like a handful of it it's stuck in between this burger and on either side of that is cookies like the thing and then the top bun and it's like my god who came up with this and then i'm like wait so steven schinder shared this <laughs> steven schinder loves weird food combinations steven schinder must have hacked into oreo's facebook page and did this this is too sus steven you're sus all right i'm calling you out Who's been making Oreo combos out of everything? It's been Steven Schinder all along. 
<laughs> okay. He's been he's been he's been blazing it up and he's gotten the munchies. Um would our producer Sean try this food by any chance? No! 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 Is is that a no? Oh, Jesse and Alex say I would try it. Toronto Freddy's like, I already hate Oreos. That's just <laughs> disgusting. Oh, what is wrong with you? Oreos are the best. <laughs> oh, man. This is this has got to be one of the weirdest barbecue combos that I've ever seen. But I'm also, like, strangely intrigued by it and would try it at least once just to say that I've tried it. But it's definitely not something that I would put on my food truck menu, and it's definitely not something I would advise that you guys try and sell at your restaurant, Ben. No, I don't think you have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it would get a heck of a lot of attention. I just, I, 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 I need to know what's on it. Like, are they really <laughs> mixing cheese with Oreos? If so, uh, hell no. No, thank you. I think he's got one where... Uh, Steven Steven shared a, a, a photo one time of um, like a like a like a like a carton of Oreos and the middle carton was empty of cookies and somebody filled it with paste picante salsa. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, that's what that little compartment's for. <laughs> that thing was for was for dipping your Oreos in salsa. Oh, and here's here's something to think about the next time you're enjoying a nice, delicious Oreo. Um, some people like to take the cream filling out of Oreos and replace it with toothpaste. Oh, I hate those people. No! 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 Very appropriate. <laughs> very, very. Very appropriate. Wayne joining us in the chat on this late night edition of IPC says, well, I used to love Oreos. <laughs> used I'm to. I'm sorry, Wayne. I'm sorry we ruined it for you. Oh, man. N- well, Nabisco stock just went down thanks to this episode. Seriously. And my AMC stock went down, too. Damn it. Oh. I nearly tripled my investment today on that short squeeze, and I didn't cash in on it. It dipped back down again, and I was like, well, damn it. This is why I don't deal in stocks. Man, I'm only doing it because I like AMC. I like being a patron of of AMC. I'm an AMC A-list member. Fair enough. And I'm hoping that when they start opening up again, then uh, it'll, it'll start to climb again. But... Not going to talk about stocks tonight. I am going to talk about where you guys can find us on other platforms. Our biggest one, as we mentioned earlier in the show, is our Patreon. We've got some really cool exclusive stuff that we're doing there. So be sure to go find us at patreon.com slash IPC podcast. We've got some really great people like Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett uh, that are a part of that stuff. So shout out to you guys. You guys are on the shout out level tier. You're going to get that shout out every episode. And if you want to get a shout out, on the IPC podcast, you can find out how to do that at patreon.com slash IPC podcast. You can also find us at facebook.com slash groups slash IPC podcast, facebook.com slash IPC podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at IPC podcast as well. Basically, every major platform you can find, there is something IPC related. So be sure to go give us a follow there whenever we're not having episodes here 
on Phantom Empire, which mm-hmm. is now doing two episodes a week and is very, very near their 100th episode. So congrats to you guys. Y'all be sure Excellent. to tune in next week for episode 100 of Phantom Empire Live. That is a really great achievement. So con- congratulations to you guys. Ben, where can the folks at home to uh, tune into what's going on in your life when uh, they're not watching IPC? Well, they can find me at Ben Hart with no E on the Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. I occasionally do that, but, you know, uh, normally speaking, I'm too busy posting on other things like the Star Wars Underworld at the SWU. Um, We do a weekly show Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern on Channel 1138. And uh, we also do uh, Pod Force 99, which is our little spinoff talking about each episode of The Bad Batch. Hoping to be on this week's episode talking about the new episode. But actually, I have to watch that episode of The Bad Batch before I can be on the podcast. And I'm going to do so right after I get off of this thing. But uh, yeah, definitely go check those out. There's always, whether I'm there or not, it's usually good. Probably because I'm not there, it's usually good. Um, but uh, And then also, um, Culture Slate. We're doing a lot of stuff over there. And even though I'm not ever on really on that podcast, Star Wars Culture is a great show. Hannah and Jordan doing a magnificent job over there. So definitely, if you want some good Star Wars talk, definitely go check them out. Uh, Wednesday nights on YouTube. Right here on YouTube, on this platform, on YouTube. It's it's live, just like hey, IPC. We're you, joining the big leagues. YouTube has become the new Mixler. I'm just <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, find us on Podbean for previous episodes that you won't be able to find on YouTube, though. IPCpodcast.podbean.com. We've actually got IPC branded swag. If you want to get like an IPC logo on your shirt, then hit us up at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Give us a subscription, a rate and review, all that good stuff. And uh, be sure to catch us bi-weekly on Friday nights right here on Phantom Empire. You can follow me personally at Zach the Voice on all major platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitch. Not only fans, Jesse, sorry, we're not there yet, <laughs> but just about everything else, you can you can find me on the brand at Zach the Voice. Uh but Ben, unless you got anything else to talk about tonight, I think that's uh, going to do it for this episode. Yeah, this was awesome. Um, love talking Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, looking forward to talking about Captain America four in the in the near future. And uh, we got a lot of other Marvel movies and TV shows. Loki's coming up pretty soon. That's gonna be awesome. Um, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happening. And uh, yeah. Um, I do want a really programming note. Little little housekeeping that I do want to mention to everybody. Um, previously, some of our episodes were locked out. Um, on Podbean and on your podcast feeds, they were. Locked up for just patrons only. Now we've changed our policy. All of our episodes should be available to everyone, unfortunately. Not right at the moment because we're having a bit of an issue with Podbean. So we're trying to get that fixed. But in the near future, hopefully, all episodes of IPC will be completely open to everyone to listen whenever they please on all your podcatchers. Um, and if there, as always, if there's a place you guys want us to be and we're not... 
um, let us know. And We're uh, always specify. I promise. We're working on it. That's the next one. That's the next one. And then who knows? There's so many now. There's so many podcatchers, and uh, we want to make it as as convenient one. We've branched out to YouTube. This is our main spot now, but we still want to service you guys who just want to listen. Because you know, I am too. I listen to podcasts all the time. So I want to. I'm I'm with you guys. I want I want to keep the keep the audio going. So uh, yeah. That's all I've got for tonight. I think we need to call it now because I'm getting tired and I'll probably say something crazy and it's going to get messy and I don't want to do that. It's been one crazy night and it's been a crazy ride, but that's what happens when you only do an episode every two weeks. You got to make it count. So uh, thanks, Ben, for legging this one out. Thanks to our producer, Sean, for uh, helping put this together for us. And thanks to everyone that helped make it such a great chat tonight. Uh, I'm sure we eclipsed well over 200 chat messages on this program, which is awesome. So thank you to everyone that was a part of this evening. We'll be back in two weeks for another awesome episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. But for Ben, I'm Zach signing off for now. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Until then, good night, everyone.